what's up everybody? Welcome to another episode of Downtime with Downstar, episode 74. And today we have a special guest, Joey Lee from The Chronicles. What's up? A.K.A. Sticky Dill Joe. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you for coming, man. I yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, of course, it. man. So how was the drive? It was far. <laughs> was it? Yeah. It took like two hours to get here. No shit. From L.A. County, yeah, so... You never come out this this no, way. I didn't even realize you were this far. Because when you say Ventura, I usually think maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. But you're like deep into Ventura. So yeah, dude. I I think that's what people think is uh is Ventura County, mm-hmm. which is kind of like even for like Thousand Oaks, yeah. kind of Agora, like that mm-hmm. kind of area. But that's the further end of it. So when we got to go to shows and things like that, <laughs> yeah. When you guys got to leave at, at seven, we got to leave at five. Yeah, dude, that shit I, is I never rough. even realized you were. I mean, you've always been out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. This is where we grew up. So my my house is maybe like ten minutes from here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Oxnard is the the city right before this one. So that's where I'm born and raised, man. And it just it, it makes it a little harder when I go to all the events out mm-hmm. that way, because just like Ibach. Ryan says, "Hey, let me have you here at six thirty. I'm like, ah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, right, when bro. I grew up, when I was growing up in San Diego, the drive is about the same. So when I would go to stuff in LA, oh no shit. Yeah, it's about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Dude, I've never even been to San Diego. Oh, really? Yeah, because it's very far for you. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> seven hours. Dude. Yeah, it's super far. We've been thinking about going because uh, my son, he's going away to camp this from Friday to like Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So um, we're gonna go somewhere this weekend, and we were thinking San Diego, but. I don't know how I don't know if that how the weather is over it's there. It's like this a little weekend. bit nicer. Is it? Mm-hmm. It's usually a little bit cooler because it's closer to the water. So. Yeah. So you grew up in San Diego. Yep. So mm-hmm. when did you end up? Uh, so let let's talk about that. We were talking before the podcast. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, you're a pretty mysterious guy? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know. Um, yeah, I stay in my own lane. Like, yeah, and you know. dude, your your lanes worked out pretty good, man. Yeah, I've been fortunate. You, yeah. You've built a really good name for yourself in the community. So before we get to any of that stuff, when uh, what city did you grow up in? Uh, I was born in Hong Kong, and then no shit. Yeah, but I moved over here when I was like two. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So I moved over here like when I was two years old back in '84. So, and I grew up in San Diego, like deep in San Diego, like close to TJ. Like my parents still live, their house is probably like 10 minutes away from TJ. From the no border. way. Yeah, I can see it from the backyard. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. I haven't been over there since, um, I was saying I'd never even been to San Diego before only passing through. When mm-hmm. we used to go you can to... see it all in one day if you went down there. So. Really? Yeah. Oh, dude, we should check that out. We mm-hmm. would go to um, Rosarito a lot. Back yeah, in the I've day. been there. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's very different. <laughs> now it's it's probably. Did you used to go back in the day where they would have like little John and shit there for Memorial Day weekend? That, no, I went way before because I'm older. I remember so. Yeah. When I went to Rosarito for like spring break, dude, it was like what year was that? Two thousand one, two thousand two. Really? Yeah. So it's been a while since I've been there. But I used to go to TJ all the time to party because I could just drive there. We would drive to the border and then just walk over. That didn't make you nervous. No, it wasn't that bad back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, I don't bad think, now. Yeah, I don't think I would go. Yeah. Before all. you didn't even need a passport. Yeah, I remember that, yeah, dude. You show your driver's license, you can get in. So Yeah, we had some crazy times, man. We would park right there right before the border, mm-hmm. walk in and we would just take a taxi and yeah. I'm uh I'm glad that my parents didn't know really uh-huh. anything about what no. I was doing. Yeah. It was different back then though. You're like people didn't think about that kind of stuff because there was no exposure to it. Yeah. Yeah. So anything that bad happened, like nobody would ever say anything anyways. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um you grew up in San Diego. Yeah. And um, are you 
Do you have any brothers or sisters? Or? I have an older sister, yeah. She lives in Long Beach. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. She's an artist. She does, like, comic art and stuff. Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. So it's in the blood. Yeah, my parents were pretty uh, creative, artsy people, too. So No way. So what brought them from Hong Kong? They just wanted their kids to have a better life, I guess. I mean, most of my mom's side of the family had already been over here. Mm-hmm. And then, so I think my mom was probably one of the last few people to come over with our family and stuff. And then, and then my dad's family came over soon after that. And then they just settled here in, in Southern California. So were they all in the San Diego area? Mostly, or? yeah. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Dude. I always think about that, man. Like even me, I, I'm in the Oxnard and I just wonder like, how the hell did you guys come from Mexico and just yeah. end up here? How did you get ahead of this far? Why did you just stop like right here? Yeah. Why did you just go a little <laughs> farther or something? Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> So what was your uh, what was what was your your childhood like like growing up in San Diego? In childhood, I grew up in a Chinese restaurant. No shit. Because mm-hmm. my dad owned a restaurant like pretty much most of my childhood, so most of my time outside of school would be at a restaurant. You know, so. And what would you do there? Just help out, you know, because that was the family business, you know. And then you would just help cook, clean stuff like that. Was it still around? No, my dad sold the restaurant when I was like in high school, and then he worked a regular job as a chef somewhere else. So. And then I got out, we stopped doing restaurant stuff. And then I went to school. And then afterwards I worked at uh, Craig and Auto Parts. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I was listening to your podcast and I was hearing about your past, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's touch on that a little bit. So you worked at, at Craig and was that your first introduction into the automotive world? Yeah. What, what made you work there? Was it just a job? I was into cars and then my friend had already worked there. So it was an easy way to get a job. And then I was trying to get my car painted at the time. So mm-hmm. I needed to make some money. So that was pretty much, and that's all it was for, yeah. So how'd you get bit by the, the car bug? What what was your earliest memory? Mm, I think I've just always been into cars. Some Like my mom, like, I guess when we were kids, we'd do a lot of walking because when we were poor back then, we just had one car, or we'd take the bus places. And then I'd always had a fascination with cars. I think Back to the Future was the thing that sparked my interest in cars yeah. when I was a kid. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's unexplainable. I've always just been around cars. So Ever since you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Now yeah. I feel you. I feel you on that because like, it it was really into our family as well. Like my uncle was into mm-hmm. low riders and things like that. And yeah, I was into Hot Wheels. And sometimes you you try to pinpoint it where that passion came mm-hmm. from. I could tell you where different levels of the passion came from. Yeah, yeah, but for sure. It was it it was uh it was something that I just naturally gravitated towards. Yeah, same. I mean, that's usually how it is, I guess. So you guys did a lot of walking. Yeah, because like uh like earlier when I was much younger, my my dad would be working, so he would we would have a one car, and then my mom when we had free time, she would take us around on the city bus. You know, we just take the bus places. Damn, dude! At those times, did you think that it was a, a, a struggle, or did you just no? Think that you don't that know anything. That's life. that's all you know, you know. So like my parents came over here, they didn't have any money, you know. So they just came over here, like got an apartment, and then eventually worked to the point where they were able to afford a house. But then we never, I don't think there was at any point where there was anything that I like wanted that I didn't have, you know, when you live a simple life and things are simple, you don't ask for much, you know? So. Yeah. When I was growing up too, man, it, it, I kind of just, I, I didn't think that we were poor, mm-hmm. but I knew that there was stuff that I shouldn't really be asking for because mm-hmm. I knew that my parents were working hard to, yeah. to give us what they had so i wasn't yeah. really the kid. you don't even realize it until later on in life when you're working yourself you realize that how hard your parents work to get you what you wanted you know like, yeah dude i always say like i remember helping my dad out with a resume one time and mm-hmm. then just seeing his his past work history and 
like how much he was making at that time and it kind of just it, it humbled me yeah. a lot you know just mm. thinking like i never felt like we were we were poor or anything back yeah. then i mean we weren't we had a house we had uh-huh. a place to live we had food yeah i had nice clothes it was just mm-hmm. you had toys and stuff maybe? yeah i had toys and everything like yeah. that i wasn't unhappy i wouldn't go to somebody's house and say oh man i wish mm-hmm. i had that yeah but it just makes you think like, dude, it was it was just the only person working. He had to take care of me, my two sisters, and my mom. Mm-hmm. And I never really heard him complain yeah. about things. Besides just say, like, oh, no, we're not going to get that. Like, <laughs> just yeah. general complaining. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I understand yeah, that. That's just the life that you know. I mean, that's it. So You always knew that there were, there were people out there that were doing better, but you didn't want what they wanted, you know? I'm just like, well, that's just the life that they have. So Yeah, it's... It's really good, I, I feel, to, to grow up seeing that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. it makes you appreciate yeah. what you have. You appreciate the struggle and the grind. Yeah, and I think that that's what, what's helped out to get us to this position today. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I feel like if I were to, to you know infor- lose everything, that mm-hmm. we would still be fine. I could still do yeah. those. Like, you find another way. One bedroom apartment or something. Make it happen. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you live white. Uh, you live your life not for the wealth of like material things. It's for life experience, you know. So that's, yeah, it's important. And I, I definitely got lost on that road, mm-hmm. you know, during my early twenties. It happens, yeah. But it just takes a little while for you to realize what's what's actually important in life. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's it really is those those memories yeah. that you build. So you um. When did you start working at uh, AutoZone? At uh, what age? At Cragen, I was. Or Cragen, uh, Cragen. Right after high school, so I was in college already. Were you dry? You were say you had a car already. Yeah. So I, what car was that? It was like a Toyota Camry. That was your first car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It was my dad. It was like our old family car. Okay. So it was like a hand me down. My dad had a ninety-three, uh, ninety-two Accord, mm-hmm. but he liked that car, so he kept it. And then he was driving that to work, and that's the car that I ended up eventually building. So yeah. Yeah, but I had a camera at the time because that's all we had. So I was just into doing like weird shit to it, putting body kits on it and stuff, you know, doing dumb shit. So, so where did you even get the uh, information for that kind of stuff? How did you, were you mm, getting from magazines? Or? Yeah, magazines back then because like the internet wasn't that strong yet, you know. So it would just be stuff that you saw or stuff that you saw at like uh, meets and stuff. I don't know, like car gatherings with friends and stuff. Yeah. So when did you get into Hondas? I didn't get into Hondas until I started messing with that Accord. And then that was around like oh oh three oh two, so I was into cars like I liked Hondas, but I didn't have one, so it was I was out of mind kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. About this time, how many car friends did you have, mm. or even regular friends? Do you do you, did you have a lot of guys that you would hang out with? Or? No, back then when straight out of high school, I went to, when I was going to college. None of my close friends from high school went to the same school. So I was pretty much going to college by myself and then meeting people there. But the people that I knew were into cars I met um I met online actually like on chat rooms and stuff like AOL. Yeah. You know. And then I would see them. I would drive up to LA cuz a lot of them were from LA. And then I just, yeah, that's how we did car stuff. We just met up, you know. We just get directions off the internet and then like MapQuest that shit. <laughs> <laughs> print the map out yeah. map quest for yeah. you guys that don't know we had to print it out mm-hmm. the uh in the directions back in the day yeah. but you remember that everybody was early back then because you didn't know where the fuck you were going so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah you'd have to print out directions and then we just meet up and then everything else that we learned we had to learn from magazines yeah 
So what were you going to school for? Nothing. Just I general? Went to, I got accepted into San Diego State. I didn't know what to do. I had no direction. And then I got kicked out. I got kicked out twice from San Diego State. I got kicked out once for like not passing a math equivalency test. And then the second time it was for grades because I just didn't give a shit. Like I didn't know what I was doing. So I was like, what am I even going to school for? So why were you going? Was it just a thing that you thought it was? I mean, everybody goes to college experience just to experience it, you know? And Mm -hmm. then like they hope that when you're going to college, you figure out what you want to do and then you stay in school for it. But I didn't know what I want to do. I never knew what I want to do. Even in high school, I was like, what am I going to school for? Like I can learn stuff quickly. I'm not dumb. Like I'm pretty smart. Like I can get good grades, but it was like, what for, you know? Yeah. Was this somewhere that you were staying at, like a dorm, or, or no? No, I wasn't. I was going to San Diego State, so it wasn't that far from the house. Yeah, I would just drive every morning. I think that's the only thing that really bums me out about not going to school was that the whole dorm experience. I think that yeah. would be pretty cool. Yeah, you know? just being away, like far away, and experiencing it. Yeah, just mm-hmm. being young and dumb and, and having those fun times. Yeah, you didn't even attempt to go to college at all i went a few times dude there's the the community college here uh mm-hmm. oxnard community college so i went there a few times and pretty much the only thing that i took away from that was my um my interest in like philosophy mm-hmm. and you know alternative thinking about things yeah um my philosophy teacher he was he was really cool man it didn't seem like school it just seemed like mm-hmm. talking about different subjects and i wasn't really used to to thinking about things in alternative ways yeah i mean like, that's kind of what college is for right to open your mind about stuff. yeah but then everything else it was just you know yeah. you had to buy these expensive ass uh-huh. books and i was infatuated with money and i didn't want to give up any money yeah you know, i'm not trying to buy this book for 250 bucks yeah. fuck that dude well that's the thing though when i went to, when i got in, accepted into san diego state like my parents didn't have much money so i got a cal grant you know? mm. so they were paying me to go to school and then i felt like if i had to pay for school i would have took it more seriously yeah but the fact that i was going to school pretty much on a free ride if you like, fuck this like I don't, I don't even know what i want to do so why am i going so yeah i would ditch class a lot and like all the time like because i was just like what's the point of going you know so so besides besides going to school what would you be doing on these days that you're ditching i would just hang out in my car <laughs> listen to while well, listen to the howard stern show on the radio no shit yeah. and then i would just like go go to the school like there's an arcade area where there's like a food court and stuff i would mm-hmm. just play street fighter and shit <laughs> by yourself yeah, I mean, I would meet some people there that were playing, and then we would just chill. But most yeah. of the time, I was by myself. Yeah, Howard Stern. They, he was still on FM mm-hmm. back then. Yep. That was um, what station was that? Uh, for LA, I think it was K Rock. K Rock. Mm-hmm. What was the other one that was the K Rock? Was that the FM talk station? Yeah. Because I remember when I was working at Best Buy, there was a sick lineup, dude. Mm-hmm. It was that when Tom Lankus was mm-hmm. still around did you used to listen to that Mm-mm. it was um like in the morning frosty Heidi and frank and then it was like danny bonaducci yeah, yeah. and uh shoot, it was somebody else and then tom lycus are you familiar with tom lycus mm-hmm. the name sounds familiar yeah dude he was like super raw bro kind of i mean he was more vulgar than howard stern yeah. i mean i don't know if vulgar is the right word to use but he was he was he was pretty bad dude Mm -hmm. it was a good listen so yeah i i think that that was my first introduction into um like talk radio Mm -hmm. and and uh that was before the days of podcast right yeah dude yeah those those were good times man because you would rarely hear somebody speak out of uh out of script Mm -hmm. everything that we would see it would be scripted or or watch on the movies or on the radio Mm -hmm. you couldn't even say shit 
on the radio yeah you know? and that's what's so interesting about the hard stern show and stuff like that because they would just do whatever they want you know so. that was the heyday back in the mm-hmm. day dude yeah there's nothing else like it you know so right? i heard he's still killing it right yeah now. i mean he got that xm contract so he can do whatever he wants you know? yeah so i think he's starting a podcast too actually so really yeah that should be interesting mm-hmm. man yeah because um I think he, if I'm not mistaken, is he was pretty against the whole podcast yeah, stuff. He was. He spoke out against it, but you know, you kind of get with the times too. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I feel like podcasting is. I mean, it's not in its infancy right now, but in the grand scheme of things, I, I think that that we're still really yeah. early on podcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, if you look back at it, yeah, Joe Rogan or something, he's been doing it, what eight, nine, ten yeah, or something right like right. that, but. He he's he's more rare mm-hmm. than regular people. Yeah, because his his thought process is very different. It's like you know out of the norm, I guess. Yeah, social norms. So early age, you realized that school wasn't your bag, mm-hmm. and were you leaning more towards cars, or you were just doing whatever you felt was, I was fun? Just, and- I was just working to pay for car stuff. Yeah, so I didn't know that I was going to end up doing car stuff as like a profession, but. It wouldn't have been bad if it did, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was, at an early age, what was your most expensive uh, purchase that you made? For car stuff? Yeah. I mean, I'd have to probably be wheels or a paint job, right? Really? Yeah. So when did you get the, uh, finally get the Accord? I got it, uh, let's see. I was around 03 when my dad blew the motor on it. Mm-hmm. And then the car was just sitting and he was going to dump it. He's going to get rid of it. And I was like, we'll just do an engine swap on it. Fuck it, you know? And then... I mean, make it cool. So. At this time, you already were familiar with engine swaps? Uh, yeah, just from reading stuff. I mean, everything was trial and error back then, you know? So and then I had another friend that was pretty mechanically inclined. Mm-hmm. So we would just work on it. It took forever to do just because it wasn't like a priority for me. Yeah. So the car just sat in the garage. And then, yeah, it probably took like a year and a half or so for us to finally get the car running. So it was just a basic swap, take that motor out and put it. Mm-hmm. Just the... put an H22 into an Accord. Yeah. It wasn't that difficult. You just yeah. have to rewire certain things. But then, yeah. Well, what what motor was in it at first? Uh, the stock F twenty two. Oh shit! Okay, mm-hmm. okay. So, but the mounts and everything yeah. matched up. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Very gotcha. straightforward swap. You know, so it wasn't that difficult. So then you finally got this car running. What happened to the uh, the Toyota? Uh, I did a swap on that thing, and then it never ran right, and then I just got rid of it for cheap. So a swap on that one. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, we're just doing. I mean. <laughs> just doing whatever yeah, back then we were just doing whatever we could whatever fit right so yeah yeah it wasn't i mean it wasn't expensive because those cars they don't cost much you know so and engines you can get like a used toyota engine for like you know 800 bucks yeah bucks, yeah I, I think of that stuff as, as so foreign you know if it's not a honda i'm like oh shit, mm-hmm. i don't know how yeah but realistically as long as it fits in there like yeah you can, it's you all can make it very, work it's all nuts and bolts and wires <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah so you got the accord and then the uh did you notice that your your passion grew a lot more? I noticed that my passion grew a lot more because when I started getting into Hondas, I met a lot more people that were like very into cars. And then I liked the community of, of car guys back then. So so this is about 05-ish mm-hmm. maybe? Yeah, 05, 06. Yeah. Okay, so what, what kind of outlets did you have back then as far as forums, magazines, things like that? We had Honda Tech and uh, NWP came a little bit later, yeah. But it was most of the time in the beginning it was just Honda Tech, and then I remember in San Diego I knew a couple of guys. You know Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're all from San Diego, so we would hang out. We would meet up every now and then, just chat and stuff, and hang out. Damn, that's dope, dude. Mm-hmm. Always talking to the older guys and just hearing about things where it kind of makes me 
definitely makes me jealous that i wasn't around yeah. in those times you know i i got my the right hand in 2009 mm-hmm. and that was my first event was ibok 2009 and and that's like i've missed so much stuff before that, that happened before yeah. that you know i i still feel like i got some of the tail end of, of mm-hmm. the good old days you know especially i remember having a lot of good memories about yeah oh nine was a good time 2010 yeah. And that's when you started, right? In in two thousand nine. I started, yeah, like late late two thousand eight. So yeah, pretty much two thousand nine. So between two thousand five and two thousand eight, you're just building your your passion and meeting more friends. Mm-hmm. And what when did you actually pick up a camera? Two thousand nine. Really? Yeah. How I, did that come about? Uh, well, I started the Chronicles already, like in two thousand late late two thousand eight, and I was just like pretty much just like re- writing stories and like sharing stuff that I was seeing on the internet. So online blog. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the first blogs, I guess you can say, mm-hmm. car blogs that was dedicated to that kind of stuff. And then I, I didn't, like, I couldn't generate content without learning how to shoot. So I bought a camera. Like before that, I was borrowing cameras from like Loy, you know, mm-hmm. sport car yeah, yeah, from yeah. Loy. Yeah, and then yeah, I was just borrowing people's cameras and their gear. So what was your motivation to even start a blog? I had nothing to do. <laughs> like uh, I quit my job in like two thousand. 2005 six mm-hmm. i quit my job and then i was just trying to go to school again and it wasn't really panning out and then i had started working doing freelance stuff for honda tuning because i'd moved really up, yeah i moved up to la in 07 and then i didn't have anything to do and at that time was the transition period in honda tuning when they were changing editors so i just hit them up i was like hey like i know i can write so i was like do you guys need writers like i can write you know like i can't shoot but i can write stories and uh-huh. then at that time, they're always looking for for kind of fresh blood, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, so I got on board with that. I started writing some stories, and then that's when Speed Hunter started picking up too. And I was like, "Well, what if we had like a like a site like that, but it was more dedicated to the stuff that we were into, like Hondas, you know?" And then at that time, I had some pretty good friends that they were doing some cool stuff, and I was like, "Well, I mean, no one's covering this stuff, and like no one's showing the world what we're doing, you know. So why not show it? You know, it doesn't hurt." Yeah. Yeah, and then I would hit up a couple people about like, hey, like I kind of want to start this website if you want to jump on and like we can like kind of work on it together. And then nobody was really for it, so I just did it on my own. Wow, dude, that's crazy! Just at at that early of time that you realized that that there was there was a lack of information out there. Like yeah, that that really didn't even click to me when I jumped into it. Mm-hmm. It was we had NWP, and that was guys. If you if you weren't around at those times, that was Instagram. Yep. That was Facebook. That was our interaction, our community. Yeah, it was as soon as you had a chance to get to a computer, mm-hmm. you were like, "Oh, let me check my inbox." Yeah, because you can see everything. Out. There's car stuff. There's general stuff that you can see, like hip hop stuff or like any kind of like funny news story stuff like that. It was all on message boards, you know. So, so at that time, how did you even know that that you had a, a skill in writing? I just naturally from high school on, like I would always have a kind of. I was a naturally good writer, I think. So. I could always do a pretty good job of telling a story mm-hmm. and then yeah, I just ran with it. So like my sister was really good at drawing and art and I was more of the writer. So at that time when you started, um, the Chronicles, so was it the Chronicles back then? Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you started that, um, what made you think that the, the pictures were an, an important part of it? Because I, I, I remember very early on that most blogging was just uh just text mm-hmm. and of course pictures helps out a lot but seems yeah. like pictures took took a, a little more um of the the forefront 
Yeah, early blogging that wasn't car related stuff. It was m- mostly long form words or like short paragraphs, mm-hmm. and then. But you also had a lot of uh, websites that were only doing event coverage back then. They would just post photos, and then that yeah. was it. they wouldn't say anything. It would just be big batches of photos, you know, and you would just be scrolling. So I was like, why don't we present photos with captions or words and tell the story about the event instead of just showing the event? You know. So, so what was some of your earliest content? Hmm. Earliest content would be like, say, like I would just be searching the internet constantly for what stuff that's going on in Japan, just like stuff that was unseen, and then I would kind of share that stuff or like even stuff on forums when forums are starting to get super cluttered. You know, I would just like post cool stuff that I thought was cool, like car stuff, and then some stuff that like Loy and whoever I was hanging out with at the time, what they were building, and then I would just post them up. So at this time, about two thousand. Let's just say 2008, 2007, around there. Mm-hmm. Who who are some of the people that, that were in the community that are, are known or are still around to this day? Uh, it would be Rodrez, those guys, like all the NWP guys. Got you, Ryan and them. Yeah, Ryan, like Jeremy Gilman and all those mm-hmm. guys. Yeah, they were the guys that had the really nice cars at the time, you know? Because they were like, they're pretty much a generation older than us, yeah. more than me. And I mean, we're the same age. We're not even that far apart in age. I'm 34. Yeah, so we're only three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they were like, the people that we looked up to, you know? And then it was cool because back then, like, nobody knew who the fuck I was, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, nobody even cared. Like, I just had an accord, and I was, like, the least common denominator of the car. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, but but those guys were always cool enough to invite me to come along and stuff, you know? And then I would go on cruises with them, or I would go to meets with them with our cars, and then that's how I got to know them. And then I knew Freddie from Auto Fashion at the mm-hmm. time. So whenever I wasn't hanging out with Rogers and them, and then the guys from Auto Fashion were doing shows, uh, they would always invite me to come along, too, and I would park with them, so... Wow, mm-hmm. and then dope. I mean, around that time, that was when I met Mikey and all them too, the Phase Two guys. Oh mm-hmm. shit, bro! Yeah, that's that's a crazy time, man. Um, I yeah. was actually just talking to uh, I went I went to lunch with Guillermo mm-hmm. earlier today, and we were just talking about back in the day. And for me, probably one of the 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 biggest um, biggest uh, changing factors in 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 my like career or whatever you would want to call it mm-hmm. would be a nisei 2009 yep dude that that event that was crazy yeah. bro it was just it i can literally probably write a good few chapters just about that weekend yeah. dude that was the mecca back then yeah, yeah it was and that was the whole phase two time mm-hmm. and so before we get into that the 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 blog started picking up um when did you notice that you had something hmm uh that's a good question like before i would do daily updates because every night i literally didn't have anything to do i didn't have a fucking job or anything and i was just doing freelance writing and that would only take me like a couple days out of the month so i had a lot of free time and i would just post random stupid funny stuff and then like my friends started like they gravitated towards the site and then they started sharing it a lot and then but i don't know when i actually picked up I don't know when I, there was any point when I realized that it was something that was like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So when you left San Diego and you moved to LA, was that just you or the whole family moved? Just me. It was like one day I was having dinner with my parents and I was like, hey, I'm going to move up to LA. And then they're like, <laughs> they're like, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I think you should, you know, just kind of like get out of your comfort zone. Because mm-hmm. after I quit my job, I was just sitting at home too. I was on my computer. I wasn't really doing anything. I had some money saved up. Just because I didn't spend my money other on the car stuff, like I didn't buy shit, like yeah. I wasn't into anything else. And then I just kind of sat at home. And then my sister was living up here in LA because she was going to art school up here. And then she was just like, "Why don't you try coming up here and give it a shot?" You know. And then yeah, like that was probably the biggest life changing move that I had made back then in my twenties was moving up to LA. 
And who'd you live with? My sister. Really? Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah, my sister man. had a one-bedroom apartment in Pasadena, super small. And then she was like, you can just live on the couch until we get a bigger place. So, yeah, she had a lot to do with my, I guess, like, personal growth back then because she literally gave me a place to live. Yeah. yeah. So. You guys still have a really good relationship to this no. day? No. No? No, we're kind of, like, we've gone apart just because, like, she's always busy doing, like, she pretty much does the equivalent of what, like, we do when we travel for different car shows. Gotcha. She travels all over the country for, like, comic conventions and stuff. So, yeah, she's pretty busy. But, yeah, I lived with her for, like, a solid, like, three years. Wow. Mm-hmm. And would she ever give you shit? Like, oh, you got to go do something? Or... Never. She wanted me to go back to school. That was like her, her, I think she still presses me on it. But I was like, I already figured out what I wanted to do without having to go to school, you know? So yeah. I would have been going to school for the same thing. And then, so yeah, she was always pretty supportive. She's kind of the one that got me into magazine writing, actually. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like, uh, I mean, we had magazines. That was it, you know? Like, how else were we going to see car stuff? And then I would collect like Motor Trend, Car and Driver, Road and Track magazines or like, I would have like uh, uncles that would be into cars too and they would give me their old magazines and I would read magazines. That's probably what got me into writing too. And then I guess my sister always knew that I was into magazines. So she would be like, why don't you try being a magazine feature writer, you know? And then I just didn't know how until that, that opportunity came up one day randomly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. dude, that's, it's crazy to see how, like where you're at now and, and where things yeah. have come from. You it's, know? it's crazy to look back. Yeah. Yeah, because, dude, we get caught up in so much stuff, and all these years, it just blurs together, mm-hmm. and it's just like, okay, cool, we got to go do this, got to do that, yeah. auto salon's coming up, we got to do this, you know, And but you really don't get a chance to just sit down unless you have those long-form conversations, mm-hmm. and then it kind of just brings back those memories to you. Yeah. Which a lot of the time, to me, it, it feels, it might sound weird, but it, it definitely feels like, like a form of time travel, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you, if you're with somebody who had that, who shared that memory with you, you know, you can only think of so many things and so many highlights, yeah. but then when you start mixing them with, with that person and you, you cook together uh-huh. the, the whole story, you're just like, wow, yeah. dude. Because it's always missing pieces because you yeah. always forget stuff, you know, so. I can, uh, I can remember exactly where we were at, dude, even like. Like I was saying, we'll get into it. The, the Nisei, mm-hmm. two thousand nine, man. Yeah, that was when I first got the right hand drive. I, I barely got it in in January mm-hmm. two thousand nine. I got it from G Speed, and then I I shaved it and built it for maybe a few months. It was probably it took took me probably to like mid April or something like that to get it running. I mean, where did you get the inspiration to do all that stuff to your car back then? Right away. That was from NWP. Mm-hmm. You know what car? And it's funny because I can actually pinpoint that. It was that um, that right-hand drive EG, the silver one, that Funhouse. Mm-hmm. When I seen his, there, you probably know the picture. It's a picture of his engine bay. It has like the Ben and Strut bar yeah. on it. When I seen that, it didn't even register to me that that car was able to run. Mm-hmm. I said, how the hell does this car <laughs> yeah. even run? It doesn't have anything yeah. in the engine bay and if you if people are listening now if they look at that picture and be like oh my god get rid of this get rid of that yeah. you can do this do that but it wasn't like that back no. in the day and even even the cars that were popular back in the day um such as mikey's or something mm-hmm. like that they they were clean and they were all done and and detailed but they didn't look like that yeah that picture for some reason everything just fell together so perfectly with mm-hmm. that that build and to be honest i don't even know what the rest of the car looks like yeah <laughs> i just know that one picture yeah you just remember the details yeah so when i started um i i started uh 
Raul's the one who actually got me into Hondas. Raul from Checkered Sports. Mm-hmm. I yeah, worked with Raul's him. Raul's a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a super good dude. I, I worked with him at Best Buy in mm-hmm. Northern Nevada. Oh, really? Yeah. So super random, dude. I, yeah. I ended up moving to Nevada in 2004 mm-hmm. for, because my parents wanted to move out there. That was when houses were really expensive here. Yeah. And you could get a lot of money for your house. Mm-hmm. So they ended up selling their house and they told me, hey, do you want to move to Nevada with us? Because I was already 2004. I was uh, out of high school. So I could have stayed by mm-hmm. myself if I wanted to. But my dad said, if you move with us, I'll buy you a new set of wheels for your Chevelle and tires. And I said, fucking, let's go. <laughs> so I'm out, dude. So I moved to Nevada and I start. I, I chilled for a while because my dad just, we, he realized that my whole life had to change because mm-hmm. I have no friends. I didn't have anybody out there. So he let me chill for a little while. Okay. I come from the typical like Mexican family where you're either going to go to school or you're going to work yeah. or you're out of here, you know, mm-hmm. no, no chilling or anything. So after maybe like six months or so i decided to uh, apply at best buy for car audio because that's what i was into yeah and i pull up to the install bay and there's a crx outside and raul he's the lead installer right there so i go <laughs> inside I'm, hey i'm here for my first day they introduced me to him yeah and then uh we just we just clicked and i, w- I had my chevelle back in the day and that's what i was into i was into muscle car and mm-hmm. I-, I thought that hondas were just a joke you know the yeah. hondas are slow as hell yeah. i used to street race out here and smashing the hondas all the time you know yeah, yeah. and then um he would always be on on the computer checking oh i just sold this i said oh what is that you know so i just uh, naturally yeah. you're hanging out with somebody for 30 40 hours out of the week yeah you're gonna gravitate towards what they do and that's how i got into hondas mm-hmm. and um it was like a, a life-changing experience that you didn't know was happening right before your eyes. Not right? even knowing it, dude. <laughs> like, like right now, this could be something that, that in yeah. the future you look back and like, damn, I can't believe we were doing the podcast in that little studio or whatever, you know. But yeah, it's just, right? you got to, I think it's that you have to take those opportunities when they come and then you mm-hmm. see what they turn into. Yeah. Because I could have just very well been like, oh, Hondas are stupid, you know, I don't yeah, want to yeah. look at that shit. But I was mm-hmm. just interested and... um then I would go on the forums and that nighttime I would go on and I would probably just message him because this was back in those days where it, where you were on uh, instant messenger. Yeah. So I was on AOL with my buddies back here from California, from Oxnard. And then mm-hmm. I would be chatting with Raul and then he'll say, oh, check this out. Check this link out. Check this car or whatever. So I was just going through the shave tuck threads and then i would see the cars yeah and that was the one that stood out that funhouse is eg yeah that was a pretty big thread back then yeah dude that shit was <laughs> so awesome I, I um i i wish that all that content was still around right not even from from the 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 what we just lost what a year or two years ago but like mm-hmm. the first wave of things remember when the server crashed i don't even know what year that was but uh, yeah that was like 2011 dude so everything before from 2000 shit whenever to 2011 all that content that was gone that that's literally a history book yeah that's gone Mm -hmm. so when i uh when i decided to get the right hand drive i kind of already had ammo loaded up Mm -hmm. i knew how i wanted to do things i was already good at wiring because that's i worked at best buy we're doing alarms and stereos like that so it made sense to me Mm. so um when i got the car just i hit the ground running man as soon as i i brought the car home i started tearing everything out Mm. you you can ask raul i'm fucking bugging him hey do we need this bracket taking a picture and saying no chop it off do this was the car pretty beat up when you got it all right no dude the car was in super good condition man Mm. um 
that wasn't even the original car that i was gonna get i put my deposit on on an ek it was oh, okay. a silver ek and i saw the right hand drive the the eg first mm-hmm. and i i wanted that but then uh do you know george from g speed i'm familiar with him yeah. okay yeah yeah so i knew george from raul because raul would always get right hand drive so that's kind of what even introduced me to that mm-hmm. so I, I built a relationship with george and i put my deposit on the ek yeah and you're bringing in a lot of really cool stuff back then really cool yeah, dude. like VIP cars and stuff you're like look, what the fuck is this stuff even doing here dude <laughs> looking back now yeah i'm just like damn he had a lot of good stuff back there but mm-hmm. i mean hindsight you don't know what was good back then you know yep. it was just ah well, I don't want that car, you know. There's but... a lot of cars still floating around there from G Speed. Really? Yeah. He made an impact, man. So it, it was funny, man, because that that I had my deposit on that EK, and mm-hmm. it was like three thousand bucks or something like that. So I went with okay. my pops to um to LA to go pick it up. Mm-hmm. We had the trailer and everything, and once we get there, the EK had damage on the roof. Mm-hmm. Like I guess it moved around. It had a yeah. big crease on it. So I was just already bummed out, man. I'm like, fuck, man. And then I seen the right hand drive, dude, and, and yeah. I, I think it had already been sprayed again uh-huh. because the paint was really good on it. Okay. And I told George, "Oh, was this the car that I was gonna get?" He's like, "Oh yeah, that's the one." I said, "Did anybody get it?" He's like, "No." So I told my dad, "Dude, I want this one." And of mm-hmm. course, my dad don't know anything about Hondas. He's yeah. like, "Dude, you're gonna pay three thousand dollars for this car? Yeah. It doesn't even have a motor in it." You know? <laughs> but I brought it home, started tearing it apart, and it mm-hmm. took me a few months to get it done and as soon as i finished it i was ready to hit the road bro i mm-hmm. didn't even have it registered obviously yeah but it was if it's hard now like back in the well, it was a little easier back in the day but it, yeah. it just wasn't so normal that you just walk into the dmv mm-hmm. and register it so i had my plates from my chevelle <laughs> from nevada on the right hand drive and okay. i was not just driving it i was driving it to the fucking meets dude mm. like i just didn't give a shit bro yeah and then when i was out there that's when i met guillermo and um we created a relationship and mm. he's the one that told me to um that i should go to nisei yeah because the car was the car was pretty clean for mm-hmm. what it was you know if you were to bring that car to to your local meet it would stand out because yeah. i took my time on it Mm. I remember we even sprayed it in uh, in my shared garage at my apartment really? on a Saturday morning, bro. The whole block smelled like paint, but it was just, you know, when you get that bug, you're like, yeah. I don't give a shit about it. That's when you had Schumachers on it, right? Or- uh, no, this was a little, little before that. So at first I started out with some drag DR20s. Mm. And if I'm not mistaken, it, I got them from Tony from Eibach. Oh, really? If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Why the hell did he have those things? Dude, yeah, drag DR20s, they were like the gunmetal color ones. Yeah, they are yeah. probably like three, 400 bucks. I, if, dude, I, I need to ask him next time I see him because I'm pretty sure that's who I got him from. <laughs> Maybe he won't be honest with you. Like, <laughs> I never had that shit. So I ended up getting those, and uh, that's what I was rocking. And mm-hmm. Guillermo was like, dude, you got to come to uh, Nisei. It's some big show, and I didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. All, everything that i knew was just from nwp kind of stuff but you know seeing stuff on nwp it didn't register to me that yo these guys are uh an hour down the way yeah these are dudes online you know just like yourself dude you guys were you're a mod you know mm-hmm. i held you guys so high like oh my god these guys are are just fucking celebrities in my eyes <laughs> so he's like come to the show but the only thing is, you can't have those wheels on. I'm like, dude, this is all I have. He's yeah. like, well, my buddy Tom, he's going to let you borrow some wheels. Oh, 1320 Tom? Yeah, 1320 yeah. Tom. So that was, um, he let me borrow, uh, I think, 
those were the Schumachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that those were the Schumachers. He let me borrow those yeah. that weekend. So um, that weekend was super significant to me. H- how mm-hmm. about how about you? How did do you remember that weekend? Yeah, I remember it. I remember the show because I mean we had it was pretty much as a gathering of all our friends. But for me, the Niseis that made an impact were the ones that were the years before that. So, oh really? Yeah. Yeah, dude. I really wish. Oh nine was a really good one though. Yeah. Yeah, I think any time before like um like 2013 2014 and on that show was still pretty good yeah i think maybe it was it was 2009 10 mm-hmm. and then after that it kind of ha- had a different yeah because other stuff it. started coming in too yeah you know? dude. So, like, it, it was really competitive yeah. at that time when that i'm really glad and grateful that i ended up going that mm-hmm. day and dude I'm, I'm rolling we ended up staying at at chase bay's house oh yeah in um woodland hills yeah i think it was was la or yeah so so you could just imagine bro i'm seeing all these people online and we're actually staying at chase bay's house and chase was like huge back then yeah he was like he was like pretty big at that time already it was big dude it was it was him and rywire Mm -hmm. both of them were just huge i mean from the outside looking in Mm -hmm. to me that's what it looked like because all the all the most famous cars online mm-hmm. were either rocking either one of their yeah, yeah. their uh, hardware or I mean uh, harnesses. Mm-hmm. So to stay at his house, I was like, oh shit, just starstruck, bro. <laughs> that weekend, just meeting everybody and even going to the show and getting staged and having Mikey stage my car. Mm. Like, what the fuck? It's it was nuts, man. Yeah, that was a good lineup too. Yeah, it was, dude. That was a good time. There was a lot of cars that that aren't around anymore but that was it was yeah. it was a dope time man mm-hmm. so what was the show that kind of had that impact on you if there was one uh it was the nisei that was around 2007 mm-hmm. i think it was it was at a different venue oh really yeah because they were already kind of back and forth about using that lot because they were trying to build shit over yeah it. yeah yeah and then they use a different lot and that was probably the best show i've ever been to because at that time there was like everything was pretty fresh there was like barely any case swaps you know mm-hmm. and then like all the guys that had a nice car they were all parked together and the show was pretty small then too it was i mean nisei has never been that big but at that time it was pretty much all quality you know like there's like a good like wide range of cars there but all the honda stuff was really good at the time yeah was it was it with them doing screening or do you think it was just the name had so no, much no they didn't even screen back then really no Cause uh, yeah, there was a lot of cars there, and mm-hmm. they were all really quality cars, yeah. and you kind of don't see that anymore nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think they didn't really screen back then, but I think they did, where they would just be like, "Hey, I know this guy. I know he's gonna have a good car." Like you didn't have to submit photos or anything back then. Mm-hmm. Like people kind of knew who you were because the community was pretty tight back then, you know. And then so like if you were familiar with who they are, that you know that they're gonna have a nice car already. So so I don't. I mean, there was no screening back then until like. I would say they started doing screening like less than 10 years ago, I think. Really? Mm-hmm. So let's jump into this time time frame. Um, and this time, phase two is blowing up like crazy. Yeah. How, how, did, how did it feel being a part of that or just being around that? It was cool seeing it because like at that time, you know how social media wasn't big yet. Oh, it was like MySpace. Facebook was very much a, like an infant thing still. Mm-hmm. Like there was no IG yet. So everything was done through forums. And like Mikey used to always call himself the internet celebrity. And like that's what he was back then, you know, because he knew how to he knew how to market himself and, and like Arnell's car mm-hmm. and like all his friends. Like he was very good at, at pushing that on the forums, you know, 
And what they were doing was pretty different back then, you know, because there was no real stance stuff yet. Yeah. You know? There was no Hondas that were really sitting on aggressive wheels. And then, I mean, looking back on it now, we didn't realize it. But, th- I mean, those guys, they changed the landscape, you know. like Yeah, I've, I've actually, uh, I've went on record and said that a few times, that if mm-hmm. it wasn't for the Phase 2 guys, that this, this community that we know nowadays, not even Hondas, just yeah. like the entire import and going on to domestics this this stand stuff it 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 wasn't around back yeah. then and the cars that i really do remember was arns mm-hmm. uh mikey's and sid's uh da yep it was those three yeah and those were really the only three cars that when i seen them i said what the fuck is wrong with that yeah. car they had another car too tina had an integra she had a sedan she had a db1 hmm it was like a you know the dh has yeah, yeah, yeah it was a four door and it was pretty nice it was slammed on ssrs and that car got stolen no otherwise shit. i think their car would have been became something pretty cool too but yeah i got stolen they never found it like, wow nothing yeah so like, how did you end up meeting these guys i met them through because i was hanging out with these other guys from a, a car club called superstar mm-hmm. they're still around i think but i mean the members are different now and, and it's like a smiley star kind of face yeah it's like okay a, gotcha yeah, i know and then it used to be run by ron but ron passed away last year so yeah, I met those. I met Mikey through them because Mikey was hanging out with superstar guys at the time, and it was kind of weird because I wasn't from San Diego and and he's from the Valley. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I would still see them every now and then just from hanging out because I had my Accord up until two thousand seven, and then uh, around that time was when I started hanging out with them a lot. Like, I would come up to LA all the time just because there wasn't that much car stuff going on in LA. I mean, in San Diego, mm-hmm. so I would have to come up here to do stuff. You know. So we we totally skipped over the uh, the whole Accord, and I I don't even know if people really know yeah. much about that car. I don't think people realize that I build cars, yet, <laughs> but it's fine. Like it's cool too. So so before we before we get to the um, the influence that that Phase Two had on the the entire world, mm-hmm. um, what what what's the history of of the Accord? When did it when did it get to that point that you felt this is a, a show car? And then what was the uh, the final ending of it? I mean, I built the Accord. I finished it in early 2006 or late 2005. And then I would just drive the car to work every day. I was still working at Craigan back then. And then uh, somebody came in one day and they're like, hey, my friend wants to shoot your car for a magazine. And I was like, why? It's like, it's a <laughs> no fucking, shit. It's just an Accord. Yeah, back then it was, I had repainted the car uh, Lambo green, mm-hmm. like that dark Lambo green. Okay. And then it had CPRs on it. Those were my favorite wheels. I built that car around those wheels really mm-hmm. and then like i had bright seats like bright interior like the swap the bay was okay like i had to spray the bay myself and then i had done like a minor tuck to it just from just stuff that i saw on the internet yeah I was just doing my own wiring this is really bad yeah like my engine harness was just all brown wires <laughs> every wire is the same color brown wires. <laughs> yeah because i mean i worked at craig so i would just buy like wire from there and yeah. then it was always unclear because who the fuck wires stuff with brown wire right? yeah so I just bought brown wire and I just made my own harness. Unless it's a lamp or something. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then, so the car was nice. It was decent. Like, I, it was pretty low and like the car looked nice. Like, it was pretty polished, I guess. And then, I guess back then for, for an Accord like that, like nobody had really made them that nice, I guess. I don't know. But it was just a daily driver for me. Like, I was just cruising it. And then I guess they were just like, yeah, we want to shoot it. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't want to like, I wasn't completely done with the car yet. But at that time, like magazine features were like, you know like top tier like it's not easy like it is now where yeah. somebody just like hit you up on like dms like hey i want to shoot your car for a magazine yeah like back then it was like pretty special you know so i was like i don't want to miss out on opportunity so i was like yeah let's do it you know and then the guy that wanted to shoot the car ended up being rogers 
Oh, shit. Yeah, and that's how I met Rajas. So I met up with him, and then he shot the car, like, maybe a few weeks later. And then I was just like, that's eh, cool to be in a magazine, you know? And then, you know, when you tell your parents or your friends, like, hey, my car's going to be in a magazine, like, the Asian parent thing is always be like, did you get paid for it? <laughs> <laughs> like, of course not, you know? Like, it's, it's like an honor to be in this magazine. It's like a big thing, you know? Honda Tuning was, like, starting to get pretty big at the time. Yeah. Before, it was just a, kind of like a second-tier magazine where they were just reusing old features from from the from like super street no way Mm -hmm. yeah before it was like a supplementary magazine it was like really thin and then at that time they started building because bob hernandez was running at the time and then rogers was doing pretty much all the work for that magazine just all the freelance stuff and then like one day i was just sitting at home just chilling watching tv and i was on this accord forum cb7 tuner and it was just all cb7 guys Mm -hmm. you know it's like all accord nerds and then uh, I knew this guy named Chris Sullivan. You know Chris Sullivan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Back then he had a cord just like mine, but I had never met him in person. We were just chatting online all the time. And then he sent me a picture. He's like, congrats. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, dude, your car's on the cover of Haunted Tuning. And I'm like, no I'm like, shit. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? I was like, what? And then he's like, yeah. And then he sent me a picture because he saw it at Walmart or something. And then I was no like, oh shit. No fucking way. So like I immediately got up and then I, I like drove to Walmart and like Ralph's and all the supermarkets. And I couldn't find him because they weren't out here yet. You know, I guess the West Coast gets the last. Uh-huh. So it took me like a couple more weeks until I actually saw it. But then prior to that, it was just a photo that, that he took like on some whatever digital camera they had. And then, yeah, my car was on the cover of a magazine. And then like, and it was a cool experience, you know, I got the plaque and everything got on the wall. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was pretty cool. Like, like at that point, I think my parents started realizing that like I knew what I was doing with cars. So they didn't really press it. Yeah. Because before they were just like, why are there all kinds of shit like in the garage or whatever, you know, so. And then, so I kept the car for a while, and then that's when NWP was getting really big, and then Rogers also shot it for NWP, so there's a feature on there, and then eventually I just, like, I wanted to try something different, and I, I was getting into VIP cars at the time, and then uh, a guy that I knew was, was selling his Q45, uh, I think he worked at Speed Alliance, a shop down there, mm-hmm. and then, like, I was just like, I really want this car, so I pretty much sold my Accord. And then I, I picked up that car. And I still own that at Infinity till this day. So. Really? Mm-hmm. So what year was this when you picked that car up? Uh, late 2007. Late 2007. Mm-hmm. Do you regret getting rid of the uh, Accord? Mm, no. I think I had done everything that I wanted to with it, you know? And then it was the body. The chassis had like 240,000 miles on it. Oh, shit. So there's a lot of stuff that was starting to get old. Like it looked nice on the outside. But mm-hmm. like the suspension and stuff needed to be overhauled. And then I was just like, eh, I just want to do something different. So... So you had no idea that it was going to be on the cover or when it was going to come out or anything? No, I didn't even think that anybody gave a shit about it. Like, after I got the car painted, I just thought it looked cool. So I, I drove it to, like, the elementary school down the street from my house because it was an empty parking mm-hmm. lot. And then I just took some pictures of it for Honda Tech. And I guess that's how they found me. So, Damn. Yeah, I just posted on the appearance and, like, forum on Honda Tech. Do you still have that magazine? Mm-hmm. No shit. I've never even seen that before. Yeah, that was, like, wow. a long time ago, dude. So it was, like late 2006 07 when it came out yeah i kept the car for i thought i kept it for a while but then i started coming up to la a lot and i was driving that car back and forth and it was like starting to get pretty uncomfortable yeah yeah so when you move to la and you're you're hanging out with the uh the phase two guys what what are you driving at that time um i was i had i mean when i was coming up to la just to hang out i had a forerunner at the time so i drive a 97 forerunner but then as a car, I had my Infinity. I started doing stuff to it right away. So And it, it already had some stuff on it when I bought it. So I like, had suspension and wheels on it already. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when the um, 
when phase two started doing some of the the stance stuff mm-hmm. um i remember first with the hondas and then mikey went with the the xb and that yeah. was like that was even crazier yeah that one just took it to the next level Mm -hmm. Uh, did you did you foresee this being a trend that was that was gonna catch on no because everybody hated at the time you know they were like what the fuck are you doing you know yeah yeah and then like i don't even know how he got into it really i know he started with those nk 92s that he put on his integra i I thought that was the ugliest shit ever Mm -hmm. and i used to always give him shit about it you know and then that's and then he started stepping up into three-piece wheels like j-lines and stuff like that and then that's when it really started taking off yeah and then arnell's car was super nice at the time because he had those equips on it and then that car got stolen oh shit that's right yeah it got stolen then we found it oh wow yeah and then uh him and sid were always hanging out and they worked at a body shop Uh uh-huh so that's why they were able to kind of manipulate the fenders and kind of get the car to sit right like if you ever looked at arnell's eg like you'll never find an EG that has headlight and corner light placement as good as his car does. Really? Yeah, because it was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, because he's like very about details. You know, he's a really quiet guy, but he knew what he was doing. So I mean, remember his engine bay? Like, yeah, at that car's peak it was pretty amazing. So yeah, I think the 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 engine bay that a lot of people remember is the colored one, the multicolor. Yeah, one. the multicolor yeah. one. But, but he, after that, it was really nice. Yeah, yeah, dude. When it, I think it was Eibach, like Summer Nights or something. Mm-hmm. When he had the um the ITBs and all polished yeah. out, that was a really, really, really good look. Man. Yeah, I've even contemplated like doing like a tribute build to that one. The car's still around. No shit. Yeah. Uh, my old shop in Hawaiian Gardens. Mm-hmm. There was another shop next door to it. And then there was a customer that, that owned the car. We tried yeah. to buy it back. He wouldn't sell it to us. No way, yeah. dude. That's history, bro. Mm-hmm. There's very few cars that, to me, anyways, that that I see that are are yeah. part of history, and that's definitely that car's iconic, man. man. Like, yeah, people is, like dude. love to deny it. They're like, eh, this car is stupid. It kind of brought in the stance era, so they hate it. And then it was like, dude, that car it changed the game, man. It was like, it it really did, man. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with engine based, not even the stance stuff. Just think about the engine based stuff that was going on back then that Arnell was doing. You know, yeah, so. yeah, because he he was kind of at the forefront mm-hmm. of all that stuff. It was really trial and error with a lot of people, and that's where where it was a good breeding ground was the NWP. Mm-hmm. But there was always guys that were pushing it to the next level, and he was definitely one yeah, of them. Yeah, because Mikey had the turbo bay, he had the mm-hmm. gold bay at the time, and then like uh, that was a pretty cool setup. It's just a turbo kit was just kind of like run-of-the-mill turbo stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything great. You just wanted it for the look, you know? Yeah. And it looked good. And then that's when Arnell had the ITBs. And I think those are Rogers' old ITBs. Oh, really? I think they're A-Sport or something. Dude, it's crazy how all this stuff just, like, yeah, it's recycled. parts are just man. circulating, yeah. Even, uh, even the, the car, the Heavy in the Streets EG, mm-hmm. that's Ryan Hegner's yeah. old EG. That was Ryan's car, and then it became um, the Circuit Hero uh, car. Circuit Hero, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been trying to get pictures from Ryan from uh, of that car. Yeah. But I don't know if he still has them or not. Why not? But, I don't think uh, he took very many pictures, anyways. He's not the type. Yeah. Back then, yeah. Especially back then. So. But um. Yeah. I I, I hope that it still continues on mm-hmm. a- after I get rid of it. You know, I love seeing that stuff. Yeah. Even that uh the Integra that I had. Yeah, the, Noops. The Noops. Yeah. That one. Um. That one's still around too. Mm-hmm. It was just at Ibach. Yeah. 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 Which was Is super the base still crazy. cream? Uh. Yeah. It's still cream. Um. It's a little beat up. The mm-hmm. the engine bay is a little beat up. But it would be nice to see it. Like, the car was nice. It was like an old Kosoku car, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. Um. Reggie. Yeah. That was Reggie's old car, man. Yeah, that car was really nice. Dude, that was a super come up, bro. I got that car for ten thousand bucks with everything on it dude yeah spoons it had the spoon cluster mm-hmm. spoon mirrors uh five lug turbo k 
It yeah, had the, oh yeah, that's when he had a case walker. Mm-hmm. It had uh, Recaro seats. Dude, that car was fucking ready to mm-hmm. go. That was, that car was ready to go yeah. to a car. I was surprised show. nobody bought it back then because it had everything already. It was yeah, like a deal. for ten thousand, dude. That's like if you think about it, I've probably made my money back so many times. Well, what year did you buy that car? car? Uh, two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. I, if I'm not mistaken, I bought it New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. 2011, 2012. Okay. I'm I'm pretty sure I did, dude. Mm-hmm. And uh I kind of wish I didn't get rid of it. Yeah. But I ended up getting the RSX and I, I ended up, you know, just being able to flip things, flip parts, yeah. and, you know, flip that car and turn that car into something else. I, I raffled the RSX off for mm-hmm. like seventy five hundred bucks, dude. Oh, really? Yeah, and I, I I just I came up on that one. Mm-hmm. But still sometimes when you look back it's like coming up, yeah, that's good, but it would kind of be nice to have just kept it yeah how it was looking back at that's it that's how now. it is though you know so yeah but i mean that was a fun build dude i i loved having that one you mm-hmm. know the, the cream engine bay and stuff yeah the outside of the car was so nice dude mm-hmm. it was shaved like a like a type r but you couldn't really tell that it wasn't yeah. a real type r they did a really really yeah. good job on it and it's it's dope to just see stuff like still mm-hmm. still going around it was like a straight spoon itr replica right yeah, yeah dude yeah and it, it's nuts, man, to know that the these like physical objects, yeah, they're physical objects, but they they have history mm-hmm. to them yeah. as well. They have a lot of value to them. Yeah, and they they go on living shit even past some of us. Yeah, and until until that that car gets to its final resting place of mm-hmm. whatever it becomes. Yeah, whether it goes to the junkyard, gets stripped, gets mm-hmm. crushed, it's still it's still a piece of metal and until it turns into something else you know it's still a living entity i mean at least that's that's how i think about it you know i mean just think about mikey's integra it's like in japan now it's like it's fucking beautiful still dude i just saw it it was like two uh two auto salons Mm -hmm. ago when i went on uh when we went to osaka yeah i i saw it right there and uh yeah that that just that made me feel good Mm -hmm. to see the car there yeah it it made me feel good to see the car when he got it back Mm mm-hmm um i just wish that it would have went to the way that it looked yeah. before i mean it really it really looked good when mm-hmm. he finished it again but yeah. it's just like uh it had it had a good nostalgia to it yeah when uh when it was in that kind of gold engine bay yeah days. yeah i mean after we got it back it was kind of just like an evolved version of that right so it was the next step so it's yeah. cool to see that the car is still in perfect shape now yeah like i wish arnell's car was over there too it would have been nice to see yeah right dude yeah because those guys you know they appreciate the history behind that car and like the new owner now he's like he loves that car oh really he drives it all the time he hasn't changed anything on it yeah it looks exactly the same man Mm -hmm. that that's super tight dude it's just it's dope just to um be able to talk about this history of things i mean that car is pretty iconic too like you know like people probably remember arnold's eg more Mm -hmm. but yeah mikey's integra is arnold still around or is he doing car stuff? I or? haven't seen him in a couple of years. Man. Really? He, I mean, he was, he still, he still has his E30. I think he's still, he's always going to be into cars because he's a car guy. But he doesn't like public attention. You know, he's never been about it. Even when his car was at its peak, like everyone thought it was Mikey's car because yeah. Mikey was the only one posting photos of it. You know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That was good times, man. And mm-hmm. then, um, so after after Nisei, after being experienced to to all that kind of stuff, those, yeah, knowing that these guys are you know that they're i hold them so high in my head but Mm -hmm. they're not out of touch yeah as far as i thought you know and that 
I think going to that show, Nisei, and, mm. and getting that experience really boosted Downstar yeah. a, a few years ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. It kind of laid the foundation. Definitely did, mm. man. And, and it felt good, dude. It felt good to just be at the show and being able to talk to everybody and, mm-hmm. and getting that, that sort of um, recognition. Just like you were saying when you would go and you would hang out with Rodriguez and them. Yeah. It was... It was never really a thing of like, oh, no, you can't come hang out with us. Everybody was really accepting, which was dope. Well, that's the great thing about forums back then. Everyone was kind of even keel, you know. So now it's social media these days. We're driven by numbers. Yeah. So it's like, oh, yeah, if you have a big following, people won't want to talk to you or they think that you're not going to want to talk to them because you have numbers or whatever. It's like doesn't mean anything yeah things are really skewed Mm -hmm. nowadays and it it, and it's very weird and especially looking back at how things were to now it it makes you miss Mm -hmm. a lot of the way that things were yeah of course i mean you 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 can't change it. you could just be the change that you want to see yeah. and i i think that i i've come to realize that as of late within the last even six months mm-hmm. i've been changing the way that I, i'm thinking about things and i'm trying to make everybody else's experiences as enjoyable as it was yeah. for us well, well, you're back like in the day 34 now yeah 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 so like usually around like 32 to like 34 35 ish is when you're as a man like your your brain really starts to settle in you know, that's when you really start figuring out things and like you understand life a little bit more because, you know, like guys, their development is not as quick as women are, you know. So that's why women always date a little bit older. Yeah. You know, so girls will probably figure out around 27 to 30. And then guys, they're usually around that age when they start really starting to settle into themselves. So that's probably why you're feeling that way. Yeah, I've definitely noticed that a lot, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I've noticed that the, the impact that I do have and the, the, the voice that, that I do have that I can use it for good yeah. or for evil. And I, I think that a lot of time in the past that I, I didn't take the high road Mm -hmm. and i went through a lot of lessons that i didn't necessarily have to learn yeah you know that that have still made people think of us in a certain way Mm -hmm. from how we handle things yeah because they're all emotional reactions yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. a lot of it is that you're right of course it's just emotional you know Mm -hmm. especially having people attack us for what we do and you know just to to belittle the things that we're doing so of course i'm gonna be like well i'm doing this i'm doing that well, I mean, if you're never criticized for anything that you do, that means you're not doing anything, right? So, yeah. So I must be doing a lot. <laughs> yeah, because of the territory. Yeah. So, so uh, I I know you've gone through a lot of that, yeah. that criticism. Yeah, you, yeah. you you seem to be able to handle it a lot better than I've I've handled it. Yeah. I mean, I think I've always been pretty chill, like throughout life. So, like, not very many things bother me. Yeah. But in the beginning, yeah, of course, when you start hearing shit, you know, like people can say it. Like, there are a thousand people who can say nice shit about you. But like one or two people say something bad and that's what sticks with you, you know? And I mean, that's just how human nature is, you know? So you just have to learn to kind of ride it out. Yeah. How early on did you notice that that you were getting uh, negativity or blowback from what you were doing? Uh, like 2009, 2010-ish, like pretty early on. Just because, you know, we were doing something new at the time and then being outspoken on the internet gets you in a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah. Especially back then because, you know, people like weren't weren't prepared to hear that kind of stuff, you know? So, like, when I would post cars and stuff, like, I would kind of sometimes say things that I didn't like about them or I would kind of, like, you know, half-heartedly joke about it, you know? Just because, I mean, I naturally kind of talk shit because yeah. Yeah, I just find humor and stuff. And then people don't read it the right way or they don't accept it the same way, you know? So, I had people confront me 
before our car shows too. I had a Nisei one year actually. No shit. Yeah, what year was that? 2010? Yeah, some guy came up to me because I had posted a photo of somebody's Civic or whatever and it like had like this weird panda theme to it. And like the guy put it like a, he put a fake cage over the car because it was like a panda, you know? So oh, okay. I thought it was funny. So I kind of joked about it. And then his homie came up to me at a car show and then he like confronted me. And then he was just like asking me why I was saying all this stuff and blah, blah, blah and saying that he didn't appreciate it. And he was like pretty aggressive about it. And then I was just calmly, I just, I was holding my camera. So I put my camera behind my back and I was like, you know what? Like you're entitled to your opinion and, and I'm glad that you expressed it to me that way. But like, I'm also entitled to my opinion and I can say what I want, you know? If you don't agree with it, you don't have to agree with it. But I mean, you, however you want to handle it, we can handle it, you know? So that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down like that, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I remember reading some stuff back in the day. I'm like, damn, if that was me, I'll have my feelings hurt. Yeah. So did you realize that, that people didn't take things the way that that you did? Like they, they, didn't, they didn't have the same humor. They had... Uh, a more emotional way of looking at things than you did yeah you realize that fairly early on that like people just weren't used to that type of exposure back then yet you know so do you imagine how things are nowadays when people just openly roast people it's because they know that you'll never see these people in person you yeah know? but back then i was we were just doing stuff locally so it was very common for people to just be like hey fuck you i don't agree <laughs> with what you said you know so, yeah and i mean that's life like what are you gonna do we're not all gonna agree on shit you know so like, I'm not doing it out of spite to hurt you in any way. That's just an opinion, you know? That's like a point of view. So. Yeah. So what? at what point did you think that, that you, it was a value to put out your your opinion? Or did you feel like you just wanted to be honest with yourself and this was your platform yeah. and you're going to do whatever yeah, you want? Yeah, I just wanted to be honest. And then people, if people didn't like what I was doing, nobody's forcing you to look at it. Like, you know, we're not cramming it down people's throats. Like, I don't buy ads like yeah. i don't buy anything i don't pay money to like push my shit onto anybody you know like if you like my shit come look at it if not there's plenty of other things you can look at it's yeah. the internet it's the world wide web like you can literally look at anything you know so but, yeah damn that was uh that was a big stand that you took yeah back in the day have you felt that your your stance on things ha has changed or the way that you put your opinion off yeah. i mean as just like generally growing up and maturing you kind of your point of view changes and and like the more life experiences and the more things that you see makes you value things differently and look at things a different way and then now that i have a bigger audience i find myself not being as like critical yeah or or outright voicing stuff that i don't like that much just because i know that there are a lot of people that may take it the wrong way you know and like now in my older years i'd rather kind of promote a more like positive message yeah, i guess yeah, you yeah. could say yeah back then did you feel like you had a, a large platform did you know um i think i realized that it was getting pretty big around 2011 2012 yeah yeah that's when the site was probably at its peak in terms of site traffic because mm -hmm. we don't look at site traffic the same way anymore just because of social media numbers yeah but yeah that's i think that's when the site was pretty big and that's before i even went to japan so yeah yeah and that's when we went to import alliance in 2011 yeah and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i remember there was like a huge blow blowback from that too because in the beginning i was kind of talking shit i was like hey we're gonna go out to nashville like let's see what you guys have you know and then everyone was like you know like, we, our cars are nice too and blah blah and i was like if you want to come out we'll show you what we're all about and kind of you know just general yeah stuff like that. that was cool man i, I actually want to talk about that because that's that's a memory that really uh that that i kind of forget that a mm -hmm. lot of the socal guys ended up going out there yeah but before we get to that it's just like i i think that people don't realize that this this whole this whole scene and community it, it's from out here so mm -hmm. it's natural that 
our cars are going to be a lot nicer. Yeah. And before the the internet or before social media was popping or before you know that people that can actually can actually get parts mm-hmm. just overnight or or what have you you know it's we we definitely had the advantage yeah. here because i remember even you know going to the shows 2009 10 11 mm-hmm. and then when i started going out to to the east coast to the down south and things like that it was they were behind times yeah a lot it broadens your horizons once you actually step it definitely does so going to import alliance i think my first import alliance was 2010 um mm-hmm. summer of 2010 um there was very very few cars that could even compete with anything yeah from Selco. and pe- they didn't realize that back then though they were just like about what they were doing you know yeah so when you said it they wouldn't agree with you or they wouldn't believe it you know and it's really hard it's it's like you were saying about the car you have your opinion i have mine but it, it's it was the real opinion mm-hmm. it's like dude the cars you wouldn't know if you have never been to a, an ibach or an yeah. or something, you would not know the quality mm-hmm. of cars yeah, well, in the 90s and like the early 2000s, we didn't even look out that far because, you know, how there was no internet or any way of really seeing that stuff. So the beef back then was NorCal, SoCal. So <laughs> guys were always beefing with who was building better cars. And yeah. just imagine that, you know, all the cars are pretty nice already, you know. And then our foundation is actually like built entirely differently than guys out there, too, because we had import Schwab since like early, like mid 90s, you know. So we have always had a core group of car guys that like set the standard and knew what they were doing. Whereas people out in different areas, all they had was like Nopi Nationals or something, you know. So they never really had like a good starting point. So they, yeah. they developed differently. So and then we have to appreciate that too. So yeah, uh, fast forwarding whatever eight eight ten years later, uh, the competition is fierce. Yeah, everywhere around uh, the U.S. All these shows that I go mm-hmm. to, I just got back from H Day in New Hampshire, and yeah. you see cars over there, and you're like this. It's not that this is a SoCal car, but this can compete mm-hmm. with a SoCal car. Yeah. No problem. You have to like, you can kind of grade them, like, but you can't do it on the same scale. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the internet, man, it changed everything. It definitely did, yeah. man. Um, so how much do you remember about that trip from uh, Import Alliance? Dude, I remember everything. Who was it that, that ended up going? And it was you, Rywire. David. David. Big Mike. Big Mike. Yeah. And so that was it. You guys all traveled together? Mm-hmm. Okay, so how did that go? Well, we originally had planned to go, and then I knew Ryan and David wanted to go anyways. And then, like, for whatever reason, my flight, like, got canceled or something, like, the day prior. So, like, I was, I had to rush to find a flight. And, like, I literally got to Nashville, like, maybe, a, like, eight hours earlier than I had planned to mm-hmm. because they threw me in a red eye because for whatever reason, my flight got canceled. So, so earlier, not later. Yeah, earlier. Oh, okay, cool. So I had, I had arrived before david and ryan and them so i was the first one there and then i think i met i met up with jay when i first got there uh jay thamavong oh yeah that's that's my boy jay yeah and then yeah i was hanging out with those guys for a little bit all the pgk guys jay was the ambassador Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i say when he moved out of atlanta the the scene died out there when he went into retirement yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, but and yeah. he golfs now, so mm-hmm. he's legit retired. Yeah, he's legit retired. <laughs> Shout like, out to Jay. Like he came I love out here Jay, and like stopped caring about car shit. So, yeah, yeah. But so you met up with Jay out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he kind of we he drove us around and fed me and stuff, and then until David and them showed up, and then I I remember I got a like a hotel with David, mm-hmm. but it wasn't the party hotel. Oh, okay. It was like down the street. Okay, I don't wanna, yeah, yeah. I don't want to be in that type of mess because I knew it was gonna get messy just from the stories or whatever. Yeah. So. 
And it definitely got messy. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the um, the worst that it's ever been. Yeah. That like, show. People were like throwing bottles and shit at people <laughs> from the top crazy, of the building. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you got there, um, and did you end up going to La Quinta, to that, mm-hmm. that hotel? Yeah, like, yeah, we hung out there. Was it that night or was it before the event? Uh, we went uh, we went all the nights that were okay. Yeah. Because so, there's nothing to do out there. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So we go to Waffle House. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went to Waffle House plenty of yeah. times now. So, uh, yeah, guys, if, you, if you're if you listening and you never experienced those Import Alliance days, yeah. man, that those, was... Those Nashville events, man. They're, they're, that they're was really a heyday. I, I don't know what it could be. I, I, maybe these people, they, they just had this only vacation for their entire year mm-hmm. or something, but it seemed like they were just going nuts. Yeah. And then, like, that was before they closed that track there. So it was mm-hmm. like a central area for all those guys to meet up yeah and then just from the previous history of how their other events went and how rowdy it got like i think it, it kind of built like a legend it like a story it, it definitely has a legendary it has a couple yeah. chapters in my book yeah. for sure yeah so when you get there what what is your thought on the the whole everything that's going on hmm. at that time like uh i mean i kept an open mind because i knew it wasn't going to be you know but there were some pretty nice cars out there matt tucker's car was yeah. nice already and then Jay's car is obviously really nice. And then the PGK guys kind of led the way. They had some really nice cars. So, and then, I mean, at the show itself, there's so many cars, dude. So you kind of have to to kind of like sift through it to get yeah. to the good stuff. So. They they had a really good way of, of centralizing the, the nicer cars yeah. in like the vendor area. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's funny you say Matt Tucker because I'm pretty sure that that car looks exactly the same yeah. nowadays. That car, for, for if you want to talk about history, that's one that definitely mm-hmm. goes in the yeah, history. That course. car is like the equivalent of uh, Mikey's car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for that side. Definitely, dude. Yeah. But um, so going to an event here versus going over there were you just surprised at how 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 they embrace the car community rather than here yeah it was an eye-opening experience just because you saw how different people were because that was our first time traveling outside of california to go mm-hmm. to a car show you know so it was cool to see just like it's definitely a younger crowd and like different culture there you know just because there's so many people coming from all over that you're going to get a huge melting pot of people so it was good to experience you know? yeah and the, even the uh, the racing that they had mm-hmm. right there on the freeway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the cops watching and everything. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, it was, it was cool. nuts, man. I don't know what ended up happening that weekend, but I think everybody just said, fuck it, this is going to be the last well, time. Yeah, that was the last one, so they're just like <laughs> balls out. Yeah. Like, let's burn the whole fucking place down, right? <laughs> yeah, dude. There, I remember the fire alarm just didn't stop going off. It yeah. was going off the whole time, fire extinguishers on the floors, throwing out like yeah. TVs and microwaves and shit. <laughs> and th- I, w- I was thinking, like, guys, why would you do this if your credit card's on the room? But for some reason, they just took cash. Yeah. for the rooms yeah and that was really stupid of them to do yeah. that i mean because they probably never get anybody staying there ever until that time of year you know? yeah so it's the same reason probably why h2o h2oi happens because that area they don't get any type of tourism so yeah you, know, you take what you get from it you know so that was your first time traveling to a show outside of california mm-hmm. what was your um next experience after that huh after that is when i started going on the week tour got you yeah. dude. I, I wanted to to get into uh week fest also maybe you remember this um i think it was a uh, big mike's birthday in a uh, pool hall one mm-hmm. year 2010 mm-hmm. do you remember that yeah, yeah there's that picture that's going around i don't know if you're even the one that took the picture i don't know if someone I'm... took it but there's a in front of the pool table and there's maybe like 30 40 people in there no that wasn't me no Mm-mm. that's a that's an iconic picture right there man it, that's 
that week fest was was a real special thing mm-hmm. back in the day uh, i mean still now to this day but that was the foundation of yeah, it yeah. Th- those days in the that was my first week fest was the last time that they had it in the parking structure mm-hmm. right there and that was my first experience with that was a norcal cars that was crazy bro. dude yeah. and if you were to ask me at that time who had cleaner cars norcal versus socal it's a hard one bro mm-hmm. those guys yeah. up there had some very nice builds that was a cool thing back then though is because competition fueled growth you know now it's a little watered down and diluted now so you don't get as much of that you know okay everybody we're gonna take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be back in one minute <gasps> now son that you you listening right now i need to tell you something your life is in shambles one of the reason is is the way you present yourself son that t-shirt you got on right now with the stains and the bacon neck that is not gonna bring the honeys home you look terrible i'm not talking about your disfigurement that's something only the good lord could help you with but what i can help you with is going to downstory.com go to that web page on the world wide web and just search dtwd yeah search that and you could get some of the official downtown with downstop merch maybe move out the basement so me and your mama could do the dick ball dance like we used to do 27 years ago when you wasn't around now i'm gonna go upstairs and give me a pot pie you get back to your little podcast it didn't seem like much hatred it seemed like competition yeah. Yeah. but friendly it competition yeah friendly competition yeah. right mm-hmm yeah, it didn't seem as negative no. as it does now nowadays. Yeah, and if there was, you wouldn't hear it because there was no social media for people to talk shit on, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so going to uh, to that event and then the next year, the Fort Mason. Mm-hmm. Dude, the that, Fort Mason ones were insane. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know how they ended up dealing with those lines outside. Yeah. Bro. It wasn't yeah. even a line. It yeah. was like a mosh pit. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> you got to get through here yeah it was organized chaos dude like i heard people back then were like flying out from new york and they couldn't even get into the show because no the line was way. so long yeah oh that's shit. why we stopped doing them there because that venue is like it's crazy it's super nice venue but it's too small so yeah so now i i know that you and you and ken have a really good relationship mm-hmm. when did that relationship uh start to uh come to fruition uh it definitely grew like to its peak now where we're really close because he moved down to la mm-hmm. but before that ken's always been around because you know he's ats Ken's EP3, remember his gold EP3? Mm, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, he was like the right-hand drive converter uh-huh. one. That was the first car that I ever wrote a story for in Honda Tuning. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. so we have a lot of history there. So so how did the, that even start where you would write a story? Do you have to contact them and have a, a mm-hmm. phone conversation? Yeah, I hit or? up the editor at the time who was taking over because uh, he wanted a fresh start with a new staff and everything. And I was like, hey, you need a writer? Like, I can write. And he's like, well, send me a sample, and then I'll read it. And then if you're good, then we'll use you, you know? And then so I wrote a sample sent it in and then he like made some corrections on it he's like yeah i'll start sending you work so like i would just look in my email and he'd be like hey you need to write a story on this like here's the specs here's the photos and then create a story out of it contact the owner like mm-hmm. call them or email them and then that's how we did them back then yeah so that's where your guys's relationship started at yeah it started because well he was with ats so we would always do a lot of stuff together because i would hang out with david and then he had a close like friendship with the ats guys mm-hmm. you know it's because dpk and ats were always together so I was hanging out a lot with David at the time, and then that's how I got to know the ATS guys. 
And David lived out there still? No, he was down here. He would just always drive up because they were close, you know, because mm-hmm. they had their whole, like, even their two car crews were always linked together, you know? So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And that mm-hmm. was, like, when the, like, the, the, the dipped parts. was Is that what it stand for? DBK? No, DBK actually stood for Drop and Panties Crew. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. That was, like, JP's thing. So, but they use it for everything so yeah. it, could, it could mean anything but that's i think that was the original meaning so they just never wanted to say it because it's like you know, <laughs> now that you say it now it seems like we're all 30 something year old ben it seems kind of embarrassing now but yeah. it's funny that you say dropping panties what was that that thing that you guys were doing with that hot stuff oh, hot what, was, International? what was that i think it was just kind of like a troll thing like we we were just like because some of us were in between car crews and then like there's the phase two guys and then we're linking up, but it was just like, do we want to be phase two or whatever? So we just kind of made like a super group or whatever. And we called it Hot Stuff International because it was funny. No shit. Yeah. Do you ever think about bringing any of that stuff back? I mean, it's like tongue in cheek humor now. It's like, I don't think it would be accepted the same way now, you know, because it was like the logo was literally like a naked band <laughs> and like the eye was flipped over like it was his cock. So yeah, you can't, that shit don't fly now, you know? <laughs> It was a uh, it was good memories though. Yeah, it was that, a funny uh, thing to do, you know. And then just to be at a car show and be called Hot Stuff International, it was pretty funny. So. And then you did the uh, when the Hella Flush stuff was going around, you had your uh, your yeah. own rendition of it. Yeah, I always do kind of like troll stuff here and there, just like parody stuff because I think it's funny, you know. Like it's just cool to do stuff like that. Just, yeah, yeah. When that when the whole um, stand stuff started popping up, it, it created a, a lot of mm. other shows that came out. Yeah, and. Um, damn dude it's it's crazy just to think back at those times man there was so much stuff that was just stuffed into Mm -hmm. into one year you know yeah everything was really small back then though you know so as as much that was going on you always saw the same people it was always the same cars and then that's how everybody got to know each other you know yeah it was like a meet and greet for forum people yeah 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 Mm -hmm. so when did you feel or, or do you feel like it lost socal kind of lost its 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 luster that it had back then uh, probably the last last four years last five years really yeah things got too diluted you know there's too many things going on then the internet opened everything up to to where you know quality was starting to get lost and yeah with the want to be big or the want to have more you know so people weren't building cars for fun and for themselves anymore people were building it because they knew they can get attention out of it yeah yeah i think for me it was probably around maybe like 2012 ish 2013 around there it just seemed like the the the, the tide was changing mm-hmm. a little bit and yeah the crowd was getting younger too you also have to remember that between 09 and 2011 there was like a depression going on too so you're right a lot of people didn't really have funds to build car stuff so they were selling their cars off and then like even the older guys now they're barely getting back into hondas now because you know they kind of grew up and then they had to do the whole like family thing buy a house you know have a family do stuff have a real job yeah so they didn't really have time for hobbies like we used to anymore so a lot of guys grew up you know so just like not guys like us but we just stuck with what we were doing like on a hope and a prayer you know a lot of guys had priorities you know so yeah i mean I, i'm kind of uh I, I feel fortunate that things worked out mm-hmm. how it did that yeah. my responsibilities weren't that big yeah. at the birth of downstar because mm-hmm. i don't know if i would have been able to put as much yeah attention and focus mm-hmm. into it yeah um damn that's 
Those are good times, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's like a time you'll never get back. You, it really, you know, dude. It won't, you and, can't replicate it. So. And, and just looking back at those times and, and just thinking about the, the mindset that I was in, I, I mm. wish I was a lot more capable of, of living in the moment and understanding yeah. what the actual moment was. Yeah. Um, another memory that even comes to mind, uh, I'm pretty sure you were there, was going to week fest from from valencia mm-hmm. yeah, we met up at uh, yeah, the denny's by at Magic the denny's Mountain. right yeah. there man we, that's when we, they were towing big mike's car yeah yeah. yeah 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 when he when he was uh first getting it finished mm-hmm. when it, it was the the green color yeah dude just just even being there man i was in the parking line just seeing all you guys and it was just uh, i i wasn't out of my shell yeah. at that time man uh-huh. and i'm just just to see me on on the chronicles at, at that time because <laughs> you're still like the younger guy at that time right yeah, yeah dude so. and it really felt like i i got some kind of cheat code mm-hmm. it really felt like it dude because i i just kind of got thrown into yeah. the mixed with all the socal guys mm-hmm. and it was it was really early on in my in my passion for hondas and you know talking to every talking to you to ryan to big yeah. mike all you guys like your stories go to the the late 90s early 2000s mm-hmm. and at that time it, it wasn't even an, an idea yeah well you got the golden mind. ticket yeah dude <laughs> it, it was crazy man and and like still to this day i i appreciate all that yeah. stuff man it was just um even back then when when you first started it i i knew that to be on the chronicles was such a big thing yeah. did you realize that that it had that impact on people no like i mean it still feels weird to this day really but yeah but the early years were cool because nobody knew who i was nobody knew what i looked like they were, i was just a voice on the internet i think that's what kind of brought the appeal to it like i was the only one that was really speaking out about stuff and putting yeah. things into detail nobody knew who i was now did it make sense what what people would 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 question you for the things that you would say since when you were in the public eye that you weren't that guy you know Mm. that guy to be to be saying like oh your car looks like shit because that's what you would expect if somebody's online saying these things about the cars but that's just not your personality but did it make sense for for you to understand how people would perceive it Mm -hmm. yeah it was very natural so and then as I got older, I realized that there was a lot of stuff that maybe, like, I shouldn't have said. But, I mean, that just comes with age. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Definitely, like, you can't, dude. like, if you had lived your entire life with the knowledge that you had now or that you're getting older with, life wouldn't be an experience. So, yeah. yeah. Do you still have all those old posts up? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All the way to the first one? I think so. Maybe some of the photos don't work anymore just because maybe they're hosted on different places. But I never deleted anything. Yeah. So. I always remember, dude, at the beginning of things, that was, like, uh, such a prestigious thing it's like oh my god joey took a picture yeah it's so car. weird when people used to like want to have the watermark in the photo and i was like dude back then people were cropping the shit out because they don't want my watermark in the photo they just wanted the photo you know so now like people kind of appreciate the fact that it's there that i took a picture of it you know what were some of your earliest memories um realizing that that your platform meant a lot more to people than you expected it or you thought it did hmm, i think it was during the trip when david was getting married we went to Maui because we oh, had a destination okay, okay. wedding. And then we were just like, some guy like hit me up randomly. And then he was just like, hey, like we want to meet you guys, you know, because we know that you guys are coming out to Maui and it's like your first time here. So we want to like, we want you to come to this restaurant. We want to meet you guys. And then I was like, well, if that's the case, why don't we just have a, we'll throw a car meet or something, you know? We'll just like throw the, have you spread the word, throw the message out there. I'll post it on the site. And then just like whoever shows up, shows up. 
And then we didn't expect anybody to come because, first of all, it's Maui. So mm -hmm. we didn't think that the car community was that big at all. It was a kind of a small island. But, like, I think when we pulled up to the to the the restaurant that day, it was like the street was, like, pretty packed with people. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. Like, how'd you feel at that time? It was, it was like, it was a pretty crazy feeling because, you, like, you didn't know how far the reach was until you, like, see places like that, you know. And then that was, like, a pretty eye-opening experience, you know. And then the guy that that had that restaurant mm -hmm. that invited us, he's like he's on Top Chef and stuff. No way! Yeah, he's like a huge chef. He's like one of the best chefs in Hawaii. So oh it's, wow! It's pretty cool. Yeah, he used to be a car guy. So, and then I think David still talks to him to this day. Like he's a ch super chill dude. Yeah. You know? Nice. Yeah, he's like pretty famous now. So on, uh, we just went to to Maui last year, and we're actually going to be going again mm -hmm. um, in a few weeks. What side of the island is this uh, restaurant, or was it on? I don't even remember, man. It was so long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So David probably could hit, could tell you because yeah, 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 yeah. he's familiar with Hawaii. So back then, were you kind of um, kind of aware that, that you were a quote-unquote controversial kind yeah. of person? Yeah, because I was way more controversial back then. I would post all kinds of like articles and stuff about shit that I didn't like or like that I thought was stupid, you know? So Yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of what brought traffic to the site is the controversy, you know? Yeah. So now that things have like mellowed out a little bit, it's different now because now people just come for the content. Whereas before people used now like people before they would come to see what I was saying, you know. So Do you think people have a a, a misconception about you to this day? Yeah. All the time. Really? Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. Even the posts that you post sometimes, you know, like people would be like, oh, I don't, I think you, you have a misconception of, of the impact that Ryan and Joey play on the industry. Like they try to downplay what we do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, that's, you have the right to your opinion. So, and you don't know me. You've never spoken to me. You can say whatever you want, but is it true? You know, you never know, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, personally, I, I before we had a, a close enough relationship that we do now, I, mm -hmm. I thought the same thing. I was like, damn, why is this guy being such a dick, yeah. you know? But I was looking at things in a more of a of an emotional mm -hmm. kind of place, yeah. you know? And it was just like, why why wouldn't Joey take a picture of my car or something like yeah. that? Not, not knowing at that time that the things that I was doing was... Mm -hmm. was really unorthodox and maybe not everybody's mm -hmm. taste yeah i mean there's a lot of times when i don't take pictures of things just because i'm either doing something or i get distracted or you know like this is life people you know are walking around so yeah it's it's really hard for people to to understand that to separate it to mm -hmm. to actually well they start having expectations of yeah who you should be you know so definitely yeah. and to and to understand that that you're you're more than just a platform. Mm -hmm. like you're at this show. Yeah. To the same reason that we're at the show. The only mm -hmm. difference is, is that you're putting it up and you're capturing it all. Yeah. I just dislike the sense of entitlement where people expect you to take a picture of their car or whatever. It's like, dude, come on, man. Like, really, you're gonna think that way? Like, yeah. yeah. Would you have people that would that would confront you about that? Uh, people would just post online, just be like, man, fuck Joey. He didn't take a picture of my car. He doesn't know what he's looking at or whatever. Like, my car is this and that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that comes with the territory too of how yeah. people have changed now, you know. So I could imagine that, dude, and mm -hmm. I, I can see it. Like now, looking at things in, in my in my older age, I could understand exactly mm -hmm. where you would be coming from at those times. Yeah, because there's so many things going on, man. You always talk about how you're like you worry about missing out on the actual experience, dude. That's been my entire journey on this thing. Is like it's like a a, a mission of how to embrace the moment. When there's so many moments being thrown at you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think in the early years when I first started traveling, I was so concentrated on like trying to capture everything to show everybody that I wasn't even present for it, you know? 
and those are the things that I kind of regret. Yeah. Because there's plenty of things that were happening in front of me that I should have just been like, you know what, I'm going to put my camera down and just take it in because I'm not going to get this back. But like I dedicated so much of my time into trying to capture it and translate it onto the web and show people what we're doing that I was barely, I was watching it with my audience because I wasn't even there. Damn, that's yeah. that's a hard one, bro, because I feel you on that one. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people, they're getting sucked into that to this day mm -hmm. at this moment um especially when you see people at shows and they're they're vlogging or doing whatever they're doing and yeah. uh it's just like yo bro you, you should kind of experience this yeah. right just, now mm -hmm. yeah just take a step back and look at it right yeah so back in the day you used to have um the top 10 mm -hmm. so Tell me a little bit about that for people that don't know. Who that brought a that. lot of traffic to the site too. I would do like a top 10 list every year of like the best Honda builds. Like, so when did that start? What year was that that you first started that? Uh, the first year I started doing the site. Oh, really? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I thought it was just a cool idea to kind of like spotlight, you know, people. Because, you know, people never get their flowers. Like mm -hmm. you always hear, right? So I thought it'd be cool to kind of like, because, I mean, even the forums at the time were pretty huge already. So things were getting pretty diluted on the forums too. So it's like, why don't we like take these cars that really stand out and then we'll put them on a list you know and then it'll be like if they're nice to me or like i would organize them and it's all my opinion so people would get butthurt about that too obviously. yeah so i was like well i mean if you don't like it make your own fucking list like <laughs> yeah. yeah make a top 15 or whatever you know like put all your homies cars on it. i don't care you know like yeah and then yeah it got kind of big but then um as the site started to grow even more like my horizons expanded and then obviously cars started getting really like better and better it was, it was too hard to do you know, there's too many things to take in. So, so when was the last year that you did it? Huh. I want to say 2012. Oh, really? Yeah, I stopped pretty early on. So, I mean, it was a lot of work too, man. Like writing a story about each single person and what they did, and then collecting photos. That was a legit feature for mm -hmm. every single person yeah. on there. And then I remember you would do the um, like the the runner-ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would do a runner-up list too. You know, just to kind of like the people that were close, they're not there yet. It's nice to give people a little bit of motivation and stuff, you know, and then give them some gas just to see where they're going to take it. Yeah. yeah. So um, how would you uh, how would you say nowadays that, that you give off motivation to, to anybody? Uh, I mean, just sharing the stuff that I see because, I mean, I see so much, you know. So yeah. I know I, I realize that there's a lot of things that I see that like 99% of the world doesn't get access to, you know. So it's like you just show that stuff and tell the story behind it because stories last longer than opinions do. Yeah. Know? So. Yeah, your uh, your backstage pass has, has grown since yeah. then, man. You've you've been traveling. <laughs> um, do you, do you think that all of that started when you started going to Japan? Yeah, like if the site had peaked in 2012, I needed something different to, to con continue to grow the site, and that's when I started going to Japan, and then that created an entirely new chapter. So. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people um, are familiar with you mm. for is uh, is your trips to Japan and the things that you captured over there. So we could dive into that a little bit. Yeah. When was your first trip going to Japan? 2013. 2013, and that was for Auto Salon? Yeah. So who did you end up going there with? Uh, Ryan Durr, and then Ryan. Oh, okay. Ryan, and then our friend Nick, and then I was dating May at the time. Okay. And then we had another girl that came with us, Joy. She was like from East Coast or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mayhem or something? Was uh, it? I don't May so, Yeah, I know. She had car. a Subaru. She had a nice car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. orangish one or some mm -hmm. shit like the that. The car's yeah. really nice. And then, yeah, so we went out there. And then before that, a couple of years before that, Durr had already started going. Oh, really? Yeah, Durr has always been a traveler. He just never, he never posted about it. Mm -hmm. So, But he started going like in 09 or something. So he was kind of fairly experienced with Japan already. 
And then so I brought him with me and then he was the one that was kind of our navigator. So so when you were going to go out there, did you make any connections prior to it? Any plans or anything? Uh, I, I was going to Tokyo just to experience auto salon. And then we were kind of just do whatever we could just to figure out how to navigate around Tokyo and see car stuff. But we didn't do that much. It was mm -hmm. just auto salon back then. And then we went to Osaka because we already knew Yasu at the time. How did that come up? I met Yasu. I discovered Yasu online. Really? Yeah. I got, like whenever I would be up late at night, I would just like look for car stuff online and like on Japanese websites and Japanese blogs. Cause they, and then I don't know how his photos came up, but like a photo of some of the tactical R cars came out and I was like, these cars are really cool. So I started sharing it on the Chronicles. And then I guess, um, one of their customers who was actually one of their closer friends, he found the photos and then they contacted me and I was at SEMA like, Hmm, what year was that? 2000, 2009, 2010. And then they they contacted me. They're like, "Hey, we want to meet you because we're at SEMA." And then I think that was their like first or second time coming out to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then I was just like, eh, "I don't want to meet these Japanese because <laughs> I, I don't fucking speak Japanese, you know." Yeah. So what are you gonna do? Just stare at each other? And then like, "Oh, we have a translator." And then I guess they had a translator because uh, at that time one of their closest friends was Keisuke, who was working for HKS, mm -hmm. who runs HKS USA now. They had a translator because they had a booth. And then I was about to go to the club. I was all dressed up to go to the club already to go to an industry party. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. There's a car meet going on because Auto Fashion had a little meet. Uh -huh. And I was like, just meet us here. And then we'll chat for a while, wherever. And then we met him at the car meet. And then after, ever since then, we've been friends. So, so everybody listening, this is Yasu from Exceed mm -hmm. Japan. Yeah. Um, at that time, did he know any English? He didn't speak any English at all. None of them did. They had a translator who was from LA mm -hmm. that they hired. He was like a sushi restaurant, like waiter or something that they hired as he just did translating stuff on the side. Yeah. And then so we were commuting through a translator. And then after that initial meeting, like we would talk online and stuff, just I think through Google Translator or whatever you can muster up. Yeah. And then later on, he had a he had a translator with him at all times when we did see him. Even when we went to Japan, he had a translator with him that yeah. was helping us out. It was like a girl that was one of his friends from high school. So I think that's one of the first times I met him, too, mm -hmm. is was at your meet. Oh, yeah. That's when he came out. Yeah. Yeah. And he had the translator there. Mm -hmm. um, so you go out to Japan and you, you ended up meeting up with Yasu out there? Yeah. When we went to Osaka. To Osaka? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We took a train there and then he picked us up and then he showed us around. And what was that like? Pretty interesting. It's like nice to, to get that, that um, you know, that look into Japan from, a, from somebody that lives there because they knew all the spots to eat at. They knew all the tourist spots already. So. And then they were driving us around, mm -hmm. so we didn't have to take a train anymore. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah. And when you when you went to Osaka that first time, do you remember any shops that you went to? I just we went to Tactical Art, and then I remember he was just like, "Hey, they do this, do this thing on their highway there. We we race on the highway if you want to go check it out." And at that time, we were just like, oh, "That sounds kind of sketch," because we had girls with us too, and we we're like, Man, "I don't know how they're gonna feel about like." sitting around in a car and doing street racing and stuff like yeah. that and then we're just like eh, maybe not but then like i think the day before we left after dinner he was like hey we organized like this little thing where some of your our japanese friends want to run on the highway they want you to see it and then we're like ah fine fuck it like we won't even sleep we'll just sleep on the plane yeah so we stayed up all night and we did the highway thing and that's how we got introduced into the conjure stuff so. so before that you had no idea about any of that we just seen it on dvds and stuff you know on, on like the really shitty videos that they captured before yeah but there was no exposure to it really it was really underground stuff then so, so when when he told you that that you were gonna that they were gonna race right there on the loop did it even click to your head like oh this is something that i've seen before or? yeah we, okay, okay, we kind of okay. knew what it was but we had no idea what like the 
like what went into it you know yeah we just knew that there were hondas you know so so when you go out there you get to the meet what, what's it look like what's the, the atmosphere it wasn't even a meet we literally just drove on the highway we you were, just jumped on we were in the van and we we're okay. like hey we're gonna we're gonna drive on the highway and then we were like literally circling the highway for like 45 minutes to an hour before anything even happened just driving around mm -hmm. no shit yeah and then yasi was just on the phone back then like yasi didn't want to be known for that shit either you know uh -huh. because he was like it was like super taboo back then like conjure stuff like i think after 2005 they like did a crazy crackdown on it where they started arresting people and taking their cars and stuff be like before that these guys would run every single night and then they would it would be like a crazy thing it would be hordes of cars racing on the highway just disrupting traffic doing yeah. all kinds of crazy shit but then like by the time we went out there it was already kind of dead so yeah, so it was just like, yeah, there's he's this guy and then a couple of his friends want to do it. And then, like, out of nowhere, these three cars just popped up and they started ripping on the highway. Oh, it was crazy. Damn. So how long were you guys watching them race for? For, like, a, like two hours. And that was the, the first video that you put up, right? No, we didn't even have video back then. We took photos. That was it. Because we didn't know what to expect. Oh. I wasn't doing anything related to video back then. Oh, okay. I was barely trying to figure out how to use a, a fucking camera to take pictures, you know? So. <laughs> Got you. So that was the... Uh, the video came out a few years after yeah, like a year that, after right? that. Year got you, got yeah. you. I think the year after that, we had like one really shitty GoPro that somebody gave Ryan as a gift. Mm -hmm. And then we like got some footage, but it was like not even usable. It was really bad. So. Yeah. So after that trip in Japan and you get home, they, did it leave a, a big impact on you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I knew at that point after that, I had to go back every year. Yeah. And then I helped that Yasu was over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've gone every year mm -hmm. since then yeah like multiple times since so i've gone four times this year alone so dude yeah. four times already yeah wow crazy. i remember uh we were there in january mm -hmm. so where, where are the other places that you went or what were the other reasons that you went this year uh after that time i saw you in january i went back for uh osaka auto Messi, which is their their tokyo auto salon on that side yeah how's that it's cool it's not as big and then there's definitely a little bit grimier because, you know, Osaka people are kind of like, they're kind of grimy, like gangster yeah. dudes. Yeah. So that's cool, though. Would you think it would be worth it to, to check that out? Yeah, I'd gone before. I went like two years before that because Yasu wanted me to go. Mm -hmm. And then I got to experience it. And it's always fun. And then Yasu was always bringing cars there and he's building cars for it. So it's cool to see him put stuff together for it and the whole process of yeah. bringing the cars and all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. So. And then after that, I went back for a time attack event because mm -hmm. i'd never gone to anything like that and then i just came back recently from week fest japan so how was that it, that show is always good it's getting better and better so really i mean it's only five years in and it's growing now so we're like japanese guys are starting to build cars for the event now so i've always wanted to make it out there dude but it just makes it hard because it's very close to ibok yeah dude i didn't even go to go to ibok this year because of it because i usually come back right in time for it but yeah it was on the same weekend really this year it was yeah it's uh ibox is such a staple for us in the community it's something that yeah, we have that, to be it feels weird missing it this year i know? bet dude but um yeah you've ever, you ever since i've been going to japan man it, it's definitely left an impact on me mm -hmm. and not not just the automotive side of it just the, the culture lifestyle side right? of it man yeah. um the people are so kind out there mm -hmm. it's it's like they have they have a lot more respect for for, for mm -hmm. humankind than, yeah than their motivation is different for life out there you know because they're raised differently so. yeah do you think that you would ever uh ever live out there no never no uh -uh. what would be the downfall to you though the downfall is that the culture is way too different and the weather is really bad during the summer times 
Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What's it like? It's incredibly hot. It's like insanely hot. No shit. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, remember, it's an island. Yeah. So it's like when their weather is very severe, like cold is really cold and then hot is really hot. Yeah. Like Yasu would tell me that sometimes he's working at a shop during the summer times. You'd have to shower like three or four times a day. No it's, shit. Yeah, it's like dreadful. Like the AC doesn't even work because it's so humid. So shout out to Yasu, man. I love Yasu, mm-hmm. bro. He's, he's such a good guy, you yeah. know, very humble. And mm-hmm. he he's he makes you feel like you're part of the yeah. family. He cares about people. Yeah. And then his it's unique because Japanese people aren't usually like that in terms in the way they like carry themselves. Like they're very much about business and then working and living for the betterment of their family and for the people and for the companies that they work for. But they don't really care about people in that way. Like, Yasu cares about people in the way that our friends care about each other. Like, the, he, like, deeply cares about them, like, their family, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's very interesting. Really good guy. He makes it, it mm-hmm. kind of a, a bonus going out there. Because yeah. it's not just like you're on vacation. You get to go out there and see a friend. And mm-hmm. Like you said, when it was, I think it was two years ago when we went to Osaka, he, he picked, or he drove us there yeah and we got to stay at his house and you know he took us to all the shops and that that feeling is is so much more than just going Mm -hmm. you know getting a hotel there and just driving around it's it's much more different Mm -hmm. um we ended up going to shine yeah uh, mode perfume and uh mecha doc and it's not like we just went to go look we kicked it for like hours you got like the ultimate backstage pass yeah dude it, it was such a good time yeah so when you went out there, you realized that they had the underground Kanjo scene. Was was there a part of you that that wanted to keep that secret? Or mm-hmm. I wanted to document it just to show it because I thought it was important because it's a big part of their history. But at the same time, I knew it was going to be something that people were going to try to copy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like it's not something that's supposed to be copied for over here, you know, just because culture and lifestyle is so different, or that stuff works over there, even though it's illegal and taboo. Like they have their own ways of getting around it. Whereas here, you get chased down with like helicopters and shit to shoot your ass, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's a good thing that like, it's like people have like seen it, but not that many people have tried to copy it. I think people in the UK try to copy it more and it's like, I don't know how they do it, but. Yeah, I, I really haven't seen anybody that, that mm-hmm. does it like they do in yeah. Japan. They'll try to copy the style, but the style doesn't translate over here either, you know? No, it doesn't yeah. because you, the, the cars over there, are, are they're beat up. They're nice. They're stickers. Mm-hmm. They're, the, it's just, it's it's different. Yeah, it's, it's very It's raw. very hard to yeah. explain. Yeah, it's, it, like, it's like kind of like a, it's, it's built with a purpose and it's grimy in like a very unique way, like you know like yeah and then when i'll go to a show out here and i'll see a kanjo style car i'm like it's clean but that's not mm-hmm. it bro it, it's it doesn't look yeah. like that man it's just like when you see rwb stuff like you see it over here it's like oh that's cool it's like rwb car it's like you know it's owned by somebody that doesn't really know that much about it or is not that tied into it yeah but when you see the cars over there man they're like those guys are dedicated those cars are beat up they're like driven they're you know they fuck with those cars like really heavy over there so let's get into that a little bit you um you spent some time at that shop mm-hmm. right and one yeah. of your last trips to japan yeah just because i'd never seen it before so it was cool to kind of be there and then surprisingly he was there to kind of show me around so so what was your first introduction into the the rwb style of cars um just from circulating stuff on the internet just seeing his car his original porsche the mm-hmm. original stella car it was like pretty popular already and the speed hunters was always showing it and stuff like that so and were they going out there to Japan and, and documenting? They had it somebody that was living there that was documenting stuff for them. They had a, they had like a, I don't know if he's American or he's British, but there's a guy that was living out there, Dino. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And they they pretty much blew up the RWB. I forget his name. Nakai? Yeah, Nakai. That, that blew up yeah, huge, man. man. Yeah, it became like a movement. Right? Yeah, yeah, dude. He's I've seen him signing autographs and mm-hmm. shit. That, that's crazy, bro. Yeah. He made Porsches relevant to guys that were into Japanese cars, you know? So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was it like going to, to his shop? It was pretty cool just to kind of be in like the environment of where all that stuff happened, you know? It's also kind of humbling to see that as big of a success as he has become, he still operates out of the same shop. He still lives there. I think he lives in the shop. Really? Mm-hmm. And like he's never moved. It's always the same building. So I think if people would actually get an idea of what a shop is like in Japan and what the cars look like and Mm -hmm. how they're actually built, it it would give them a a different feeling to um, the Japanese culture of Mm -hmm. things. Because you get to see their workplace, right? Where it's all built. And especially going to auto salon, seeing some of those cars, it's... It's very hard to find a car with a flaw mm-hmm. out there, man. Yeah. Those cars are like immaculate. Mm-hmm. And then just yeah. seeing the cars driving around town. Even I, I remember the first time I ever went, I seen the big group of uh, the Lamborghini dudes mm-hmm. driving around. Yeah, man. And just like, damn, dude, this is it's it's a lot different. Even mm-hmm. the parking lot right mm-hmm. there of Auto yeah. Salon. They just look at things differently. They do things differently. You know, so it's hard to translate it over here. Yeah. Yeah. So when you introduce the, uh, well, do you feel like you were the one that popularized the the Kanjo style to? the the u.s or to the masses uh i think between me yasu and uh the guys from bowls oh okay bowls, brandon and mm-hmm. mike garrett at the time from speed hunters we we were the ones that brought kanjo back to life the, the bowls did they have a video before yours Mm-mm. or it was after no, no, no. he was he was going over there for work for shooting stuff at shops and stuff like that and then he got to know Yasu, and uh-huh. then that's how he got introduced to it, too. But didn't they release, a, like, a Kanjo video? Mm-hmm. I well? worked with them with that. Oh, yeah. did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we created it together. Oh, okay, okay. So when your when your video came out, um, what was the response on that? It was, like, mixed. You know, it was, like, kind of uh, polarizing. Really? Like, some people look at it as street racing, and it's, like, stupid and bad and dangerous. And then other guys were like, well, it was really cool because we don't get to see this stuff anywhere else. You know, yeah. So. Did you get any blowback from Japan itself? Yeah, hell yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, when we started doing videos more, we started getting comments because, you know, people from Japan would watch the videos and stuff and they would be like, like death threats and stuff. And like, we're going to report you to police and stuff like that. So, yeah, it got pretty bad. Really? Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing something. Maybe you would know a little more about there was a meet over there and, mm-hmm. and something happened and the police were, were shutting it down because of a, a I don't know. Do you do you know which one I was? One of my meets got shut down. Was, was that uh, what it was? Okay, yeah. So, was, so what what happened with that? We tried to throw a huge meet in Tokyo during auto salon mm-hmm. time, and then because the year before we had done a really successful meet. Yeah, there. dude, that one was sick. Yeah. Right there on the island, yeah, right? Yeah, oh, dude, that was thing. awesome. Yeah, that was huge. And then so we wanted to do another one, but in a different area. And then like they weren't having it, dude. Because I think Super Street threw another meet that same time that's what it before. was and then all the cops showed up because people were fucking up the streets and doing burnouts and stuff like that and causing traffic that's what it was yeah so it looked bad on tokyo you know so because they're really big on pride and how they look so they weren't having it and then yeah th- a lot of people got in trouble for that and then so when i was trying to throw my meat a week later they were like nope. so they mm. were like literally following me on instagram and like twitter and stuff to see where we would be going because i would just post up right away and then i would delete it and they, they were there before we were. So they knew where we were going already because they were tracking us. You know? Wow, yeah. dude. That's wild. <laughs> I remember that the meet from the year before. That was awesome, bro. Mm-hmm. That was that, that was, was really cool. like... It was just really cold. It was freezing. Because yeah. it was right by the water. So Yeah, yeah. it was freezing. So 
seeing something like that happen is that still are those still like humbling experiences yeah it's cool that we had that kind of impact you know we're like we can get the authorities following us around dude that was so surprising <laughs> to me just even driving out there and then mm. seeing these cars and you park and it's like wow this is this is not just a few people meeting up like this is a legit meet yeah and like, I, I remember that uh i forget his name that that yellow eighth gen mm. um that shit was super nice dude all shaved up and everything yeah, that was nice so. it was it was there was see a lot of cars out there that had like that california mm-hmm. style to them yeah at that time it was starting to make a huge shift already where guys were starting to build like the style over here and mm-hmm. i think i think we had a lot to do with that too like yasu and stuff like yasu has kind of been quietly behind the scenes kind of reshaping how things are, are done over there oh definitely dude which Every is a single... good and bad thing because a lot of people are mad about it because it's not pure japanese styling anymore you know but i mean dude People got to evolve, man. You can't keep doing the same shit forever, right? Yeah, dude. I, I don't really see anybody that's building any cars like Yasu out there. Like mm-hmm. Those cars that he yeah, built. He built things that are strictly influenced from California culture. Yeah, you know? definitely, so. man. You can go there and you can say, yeah, this car would be at, at mm-hmm. an Eibach or Weekfest. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Sometimes he'll place an order with me and I'm just like, dude, I can't wait to see whatever you're working on, yeah, man. Yeah, he's always building some crazy stuff. There's a man, lot of so. crazy stuff you got going on. Yeah. Damn, Joey, you got a you got a lot of history, bro. Yeah, he's been around, man. So, so. Where, where do you feel like things are going to go after this or where would you like them to go? Or I don't know. I just like, I'm, I'm happy with where things are at and like, uh, I'm glad that like 10 years later it's still very much a relevant thing you know and it's kind of become like a, a staple like it's like in the in the roots and the foundation of our car community now you know definitely even though people don't like i'm pretty sure a lot of people don't like to admit it but like yeah they're I, they're they're watching yeah they're listening yeah, like i know right I'm, now I'm like ingrained in the culture now just like seeing little things here and there and i mean that's cool like, yeah i'm happy with it but you so. put in your work man i mean that that stuff's not easy yeah. and to to be able to go out all these events at i mean taking the time out of your day to go mm-hmm. and even even writing the blogs at the beginning and and, and taking yeah. taking your time that you could have spent mm-hmm. just hanging out at the show like everybody everybody else did yeah i guess what i'm trying to get to is everybody else has the same opportunity that you did but you put in that time mm-hmm yeah and uh it's yeah no the name is definitely a staple in the community and it's just been exciting to to watch grow man and um it seems it seems like you're a very creative person Mm -hmm. and i I like to see where your uh where your creativity takes you yeah and even like the things that you've been doing like the 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 vlog Mm -hmm. whenever you get a chance to do that and then the uh the podcast Mm -hmm. um do you have any any ideas uh if that's gonna get a little more attention or i mean i'd like to because like it it was gaining traction and then but you since utah moved away now that he's working at hks it's hard to kind of do a podcast without him yeah and then it's like it's not always i mean like it's not easy inviting people and having them come over and and chat with them you know because everyone has their own schedule now you know so yeah yeah it's it's definitely been hard to be able to schedule yeah. things with people yeah but yours it seems to be getting like it's piling up now and now you have some pretty good content i'm trying man it's like two a week since september yeah, that's crazy it, it, it's a lot i was trying to do two a month that was my goal back then you know and then i was like dude this is difficult you know? it, it's very hard man and, and it's mm-hmm. hard to just be able to talk for an hour and a half two hours yeah. at a time mm-hmm. but I like to look at it as like I'm getting this opportunity to to pick this person's brain that maybe I can use something, some experience that they've had that that will help me further myself mm-hmm. and my growth 
and dude that that's invaluable yeah right you're always gonna learn something from somebody you know and then like even say you started this podcast and you weren't sure where it was going like if you care about it enough and you keep doing it somebody will somebody will latch on to appreciate it you know yeah that's how i used to do when i used to bring my car out and it's like after i got in the magazine and stuff i was like well what else do you want to do with the car and then my mentality was always just like if i bring my car out into the public there's always going to be somebody that's seeing it for the first time you know and they'll appreciate it for what it is and i think that's what happens when you create content too like if you like creating content just keep doing it like who cares if people enjoy it or not the people that enjoy it they'll come yeah you know and then say like this podcast like for me coming here it's like a two-hour drive for me it's not it's not close you know yeah but it's like i know that you care about this and if you care about it enough i can appreciate the hard work that you put into it so i'll make the drive and i'll come out here you know you know thank you bro i really appreciate that man and there's been people that i've reached out to Mm -hmm. that were a little more hesitant or that oh yeah i'll hit you up whenever and i know just like with downstar that Mm -hmm. when when things start turning the other way then they're gonna be like hey man do you got any time or something back in the day i would kind of kind of hold resentment Mm -hmm. on that but i i think that now people just need to see something moving and they need to see that you know i'm taking this seriously it's not just some some kind of thing that i'm doing for the week you know this is episode 74 Mm -hmm. and before 74 we did maybe 10 to 15 behind the scenes where we were just practicing Mm -hmm. trying not to say certain words over and over like nobody sees the behind the scenes stuff you know so but it's yeah. like, you know, if you care about it, you just keep doing it. Yeah, I could definitely relate to you as a creative because there's always something that I want to put out there. Mm-hmm. But it's just you're throwing shit on the wall and just seeing what sticks. Yeah, man. Like when we started doing the vlogs, we didn't know that anybody was going to watch that shit. We didn't know what we were doing. The GoPro was all shaking. So we <laughs> yeah. didn't have stabilizers back then, you know, but it caught on. So, yeah, yeah, you just have to keep doing it. You know, if you care about it enough, other people will care about it. So definitely, man. So where do you see most of your attention throughout the day going towards? Dude, I'm still constantly creating. Like when I I try to find time now in my older age now, like closer like late 30s to like finally take a break sometimes, mm-hmm. just, just chill and like watch TV or enjoy some quiet time. Yeah. So like even like I have a lot of friends, but I don't always see them because they understand that I'm busy and I'll see them when I can. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of the times I'm still spending a lot of time by myself just chilling and relaxing, man. It's just kind of you have to breathe sometimes. No, definitely, man. And since you've uh, you've started on this journey, uh, have you noticed that your uh, your group of friends has uh, has gotten a lot smaller? No, that just comes with life. It doesn't come with anything that I'm creating. I think as you get older, you learn the people that are going to stick with you, and you learn who they are, who the ones that are going to stick around you the most in the bad times. Yeah, you know, and the people that you relate to the most, and those are the ones that stick around. So. My yeah. group of friends has always been pretty small. Like, I'm not a very public person. I don't really even like speaking publicly about shit, you know? Like, yeah. Like, when I go to car shows and people chat with me now, I'm like, I'm cool with it. Like, I, I appreciate the support and that people want to talk to me, but I'm very much like a like a hermit. I like, I'm like a recluse. I like being like in my own space. What so. do you think that's uh, from? Uh, I don't know. Just, I just, I've always been like that. Even when I was a kid, I was really quiet and I kind of did my own thing. So I'm very comfortable in my own space. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's hard for a lot of people definitely yeah and i've i've barely been able to get to that point in my life just mm-hmm. because um just growing up you know not having many friends and just trying to trying to maneuver in life and just yeah wondering why certain people get certain people's their their lives seem different than mine or why mm. is this dude more popular than i am what why you know yeah why does that dude seem cool and i, I was always just just in my head about things you know and it was just 
that this uh, ever since I've been doing Downstar and focusing on that, and it's basically been something that I've grown from from nothing to something. Yeah. And seeing that the the respect that I get from that and the appreciation I get from that, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely made me look at things a lot a lot differently. Yeah. And it's it's also made me kind of uh, keep my eyes open out for anybody that I can see that maybe they they felt like mm-hmm. I felt back in the day and kind of reach out to them or, you know, have a, a small conversation with yeah. them or something like that. Because I think that there's a lot of people out there that, that maybe feel like you do, but not as comfortable mm-hmm. as as you are, you know, and especially in this day and age with social media, man, yeah. it, it makes everybody's life seem like a party and yours mm-hmm. just seems like shit. Yeah. Everyone just wants to be in front of the camera, you know, and like as long as I've been doing this, I've always wanted to be behind the camera. So, yeah. You know, I mean, when you do whatever you do, do you always find yourself having the mindset that you want to prove people wrong i did definitely but you had that chip on your shoulder i I definitely had a chip on my shoulder because when i was younger and even in my early early 20s i always Mm. felt that competitive nature yeah and that competitive nature has been what's got me to here at this time Mm -hmm. but it kind of um made me feel like i didn't appreciate what i had at those times definitely even being at at some shows and not getting a trophy or something and just Mm -hmm. being upset like my car's better than that dude and not just one not just seeing it as what it is it's like Mm -hmm. okay for one thing this is how i wanted to build the car yeah if that person didn't appreciate it that judge didn't appreciate it like that's just that judge's opinion Mm -hmm. and i shouldn't hold that judge's opinion higher than my opinion so i think it kind of goes back to like like a a Mm self-love kind of thing yeah and um it comes with like confidence in yourself and stuff yeah and i mean i've always had confidence but Mm -hmm. deep down inside it it was something that it was i was always just trying to reinforce like oh am i good enough is my car good enough yeah but i mean just after the brands keeps growing after we just keep getting getting more love and Mm -hmm. everything keeps moving forward and people speak of us most people would speak of us in in a positive manner yeah it just makes me think like what i'm doing is is the right thing mm-hmm. and you validated yourself yeah definitely yeah. and being able to be the most genuine person uh, a genuine version of myself mm-hmm. and still getting that um that recognition that's that's all i've ever wanted yeah i've always just wanted to be myself and mm-hmm. and have people appreciate that and it just feels like this is the way that things are going now yeah and um even back in the day when I would go through, you know, all those negative things online and stuff, mm-hmm. like most of that was was me being upset that what somebody would copy me and everybody else would yeah. allow it or they didn't <laughs> respect me or things like that. Yeah. But the way that I look at things now is like no matter if somebody copies me, I, I sparked that interest mm-hmm. or that inspiration exactly. in somebody else. Yeah. And you take it as a compliment more than as like no, a definitely. Answer. And then realizing that some of these people have families and kids, and mm-hmm. as much as as my family and my my parents and you know are proud of me, they feel the same way about yeah. them. And whether they know the ins and outs, that that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. If they look at their son and think my son's doing good, he's a business owner. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and if I had anything to do with that, mm-hmm. I, I I try to look at the the positive yeah. side of well, it. Well, you can't hate on a man that has the same dreams as you. 
Definitely, right? man. Yeah, just because your resources are different, your upbringing is different. Like, yeah, and it's just made me feel a lot more creative. Say if I do something and, and somebody copies, okay, cool, let me move on mm -hmm. to something else. Yeah, let me do try something, something else. else. Right? Yeah. And even with this podcast, man, if somebody else wants to, in the automotive community or whatever, wants to jump in and have a podcast, I'm not going to look at them, but I was the first one to do it. Yeah. Say, okay, let's do it, bro. I'll help you out. I'll let you know what to do because I feel like what I do this is the reason that people listen to this is not because it's a podcast just because it's about cars or hondas mm -hmm. it's because of me and the people that i want to have conversations yeah. with the direction that the conversations mm -hmm. it's, go it's not even about going. cars right it's about yeah. experience exactly mm -hmm. and it's uh it's made me have a lot lot different outlook Mm -hmm. on things and, and made me appreciate the people that are around and made me realize the signs of people that are around that are around for the yeah. wrong reason yeah well you got to appreciate the good people and the bad people right because the bad people push you to do better yeah yeah definitely man and, and like you say that that goes with with old age you know mm -hmm. it goes with growing and hopefully people listening to this right now they could take some of the things that we're saying yeah. and apply them to their life and just because you're in your early 20s mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you have to wait to to your early mid 30s yeah it's good to be self-aware no matter what age you are you know so yeah definitely mm -hmm. so uh you were talking about you like to take some time for yourself and and watch tv and stuff what do you uh what do you usually watch nothing just like tv like series i like watching sports but basketball's over now so I so don't... that's your sport basketball yeah basketball i like watching football but football season's a lot shorter you know so aren't you really into mma mm -hmm. yeah i watch that stuff too yeah yeah have you um seen the black mirror yeah before i think i've seen you mention yeah that i watched all that stuff already did so. you see the new season mm -hmm. so what do you think of that i thought i mean now that, that that show's grown as big as it has been they can't be as controversial as they used to be mm-hmm so now it's like a little bit like more toned down. Something but, felt different about this season. Yeah, the message definitely. is still there, but it seems like almost like it's getting preachy now, you know? Like it seems like one long like commercial of like, you know. Be a better human. Yeah. Don't, don't be on your phone. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens with growth though. You know, once you have a bigger audience, you kind of have to, you, you find yourself uh, toning it down a lot, you know? So with with your your growth of, of the brand, how have you... Uh, figure to uh, maneuver with that i mean i guess i try to set more of an example now before I, I mean now instead of like before where i would point out things that i thought were wrong mm -hmm. now i'd rather just kind of fix it and do it with action you know so so what are kind of some of the ways that you would want to see things go in the future as far as not only the automotive community but just in how people treat each other and what would you like to see the change be i mean i think the thing with people treating each other i think that's it's always going to be like a continuing growing thing where, you know, I think people are a little bit too sensitive these days. So like if I, if I started the Chronicles now, I don't think it would have the same measure of success that it had when I started back then because the industry is different and society is different. Every, everyone is very oversensitive about things. Now you can't say anything about anybody without them taking it the wrong way, just because there's so much attention on, on everything and everything that's said, you know, so people can misconstrue it and say it the wrong way, you know? But in terms of future for the industry, I think people just need to kind of learn to adapt with change. Like people are so resistant to change, you know, that they, they'd rather complain about it than try to adapt to it and evolve it, you know? Yeah. Like as long as you keep that sense of like tradition and style and remember that with whatever you're doing in history, I think you can move forward positively without just constantly like berating stuff that you don't like or talking shit about it or like 
say like the stance thing it's like oh it's so stupid i wish it would go away already and i was like yeah. well why don't you set that example of what you want to do and pave the way for people to understand what you're trying to say instead of complaining about it you know? so yeah i think people don't realize that they they have uh an influence themselves mm-hmm. and if they focused on who they were as a person and what they do and maybe if people were attracted to that yeah their their platform can grow Mm -hmm. and i think that that's why a lot of people really look down on say like youtubers and influencers and things like that i see it a lot you know i'll see a youtuber Mm -hmm. with hundreds of thousands of subs yeah and i'm just like yo this that dude's not really doing it right but Mm -hmm. they're doing something right yeah and it's not really my place to judge Mm -hmm. anything because that's not that's not the idea of the channel yeah is to have a show car but Mm -hmm. if it was my car i would build it a certain way you know but these guys have figured out a way to tap into the the either the youth or people that are just like them yeah their audience is just different you know like i don't agree with a lot of stuff that they do and that they're like teaching people the wrong shit you know and that's like a huge problem with youtubers yeah but like i mean I appreciate what they do. Like, it's good that you're getting it and you're grinding that way and you're making your money. But it's like, don't make your money at the sacrifice of spreading false information. That's the big problem, I think. Do you feel that it, it's um, it's a problem when they kind of don't uh, have respect for the, the, the community that yeah. came before them? Mm-hmm. I think that's a huge part of it, too. That's why they're doing things wrong, too, because they never got the message. That's why they're spreading the wrong message or they're giving the false information because they never learned properly in the beginning. So now they're, what they're doing is selling you an idea or a personality. They're not giving you the facts or like how to do things correctly. And like they're not even doing their research, you know? So. Yeah. Do you think that that's maybe a, a lack of uh, of OGs in, in the community that, that actually cared about the community? No, I think it's a lack of willingness to learn, you know, because everything's so fast paced now. Mm-hmm. People, they, they'd rather just you know create their idea of what they think is right instead of learning how to do it correctly you know there's so many things being thrown at us these days that it's hard to absorb it as like we said it's taking in the moment right you're not taking in the life experience you're just focusing on what youtube video you want to make next because you need to hit these numbers and make that money you know you have to stay relevant as fast as you can because they know it's not going to last forever Mm -hmm. like all these like youtube influencer guys they have like a very small window to be successful you know they're like porn stars. Yeah. Yeah. They're like making porn. They're hot at this time. But eventually you're going to burn out or you're going to burn yourself out. So what would be some advice that you would have for uh, longevity in the community being 10, 15 years into it? Mm, that's tough, man. The formula is very different these days. So for like influencers and stuff like that, it's it's difficult because they're too busy influencing without ever being influenced you know that's the that's the difficult part of it yes speaking of uh influences um who are some of your influences not only in the automotive community but just in in life in in general Hmm. past or present like car stuff i was always really inspired by like rogers and those guys the guys that i grew up around like Mm -hmm. that i got to see like that golden period between like 2004 and 2007 ish I think those were the, the the best years of the Honda community, you know, mm-hmm. and it's great to be a part of it, to see that all go down and to see the involvement of it before, like, say, like the phase two stuff came in and kind of changed the landscape of things. But in terms of just like regular influences and how I present stories and I think Anthony Bourdain had a big deal. To really? Do that, yeah. I like the way that he travels and experiences things and shares his experiences, you know, so. Hmm. Yeah. Now with uh with speaking about your creativity you uh 
have the second version of your book mm-hmm. it's coming out done. pretty yeah, yeah. soon. Uh, let, let, let's talk about the creation of the, the first version and where that even came from and what was the um, the uh, the aftermath of that. When I first started doing the site, I'd always told myself that I'd write a book. Like, I'd create a book about my experience, and then I never got around to writing anything, you know? And then I was bored one night, and then I was just like, man, I, I kind of want to put, like, a photo book together, just documenting my experience, because it was getting pretty close to the 10th year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have a pretty good collection of content, you know? So it's like a, say, call it like a greatest hits album yeah. kind of thing, you know? So I wanted to put that catalog together. And then while a lot of that stuff was still fresh in my mind, that I can remember which photos I thought were the best and which moments were the best and kind of collect them and put them into a book. And then at the time, I was just like, man, I don't think anybody's going to buy this shit. Like, I'll make like 50 books max. Really? Yeah, because, I mean, I always go into things not expecting, I don't have expectations for things. I think that's what makes my life easier and that I've never like known a sense of failure in that way and that I always expect to fail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll make 50 books and then we'll see how it goes. And then, so I was like, man, maybe I can't even afford to make 50 books because production is really high on, on books, you know, mm-hmm. especially if they're printed here in the U S. So I was like, well, let's do a pre-order. And then the pre-order started stacking up and then it kind of blew up from there. So, you yeah. know, the book did really well considering that we're not in a, a day and age of print anymore. You know? Yeah. So, it was awesome, man. It, it's, it's a really good book, and it had a lot of good pictures, and it Thanks, just man. brings back a lot of uh, a lot of old memories. Yeah. And uh, I just got the second book. Oh yeah, I, I got just the got the pre-order. Yeah, I got the invoice <laughs> for that. I just took care of that last yeah. night. Coincidence. That one's taking the longest because uh, I wanted to make it way bigger. Like I wanted to pack more content into it, but like with the cost and like how much I was gonna try to sell the book for, like I had to find the best like balance mm-hmm. between content. So I had to cut a lot of pages out of it. So, but I mean, that just leaves way for a next book, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So do you ever think about writing an, an actual book? Yeah, eventually I will. If I ever have the time to breathe. Yeah. I think I will just kind of sit down and I always thought about taking some time off too, but I was like, I we're like in the day and age now where we can't really stop. Yeah. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, as fast as things are, I'm not even moving at that pace, you know, but um, I'm just trying to, to bring as much good content as I can while I am still experiencing and seeing it, you know, because it's not going to last forever either, you know? So, yeah. So let's go back to the book when you said that you, um, that you were thinking maybe about 50, uh, 50 copies. What, what makes you feel like that you don't have those expectations? I understand not having an expectation of, Hey, I'm going to sell a thousand books and you only sell, 200 or whatever but what do you think it is in you that that kind of downplays things before it even becomes something because me when i saw the book it was released i already knew that Mm. i needed to get this as soon as possible just like when the shift knobs came out yeah and they'll sell out quick and just like pretty much all the stuff it's Mm. i guess what i'm trying to say is that there's so many examples of proof that that it's being shown to you so why do you feel like internally that that it still doesn't register to you. I think maybe it's come from upbringing where I've just been like pretty humble about things growing up. And like, I didn't really have any motivation to do things. Like I didn't have like a necessarily that crazy drive to be successful or to do anything like huge. So like whenever I get into things now, I still have that mentality where it's like, it's okay if it doesn't work out, you know? Yeah. Like, because it was never supposed to work out. Like the Chronicles wasn't ever supposed to be anything, you know? It was supposed to be just something I did for fun. I didn't know it was going to become like the best years of my life and become like my main source of income, you know? 
So it's it's pretty much like a major part of my life now. Whereas before it was just something to occupy time. So and if it didn't work out, it wasn't going to work out. Still at this time, you just feel like that it's still that you're on borrowed time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's what helps me. Like I'm literally like in my 11th year now and I still feel like now I'm creating the best content I've ever created. You know, I think if I had these like big expectations and these goals to meet, I think I would have stopped or I thought I would have met that goal already. I would have slowed down. Yeah. But just knowing that I can still continue to create good stuff and bring great content to this community, I think that's what pushes me still. It's funny that we, we still just have like that little kid mm -hmm. inside of us that no matter how old we get, no matter how many experiences and how, how many people that tell you you're great, you're great. Yeah. There's always that, that thing inside of you that's like, hey, this might be your last year mm -hmm. doing this shit. You better enjoy yeah. it. As like before, the only reason I started doing the Chronicles meets back then is because I was just like, if I make it to a second year, then I'll have a meet to celebrate it. And that was like, that's how the Chronicles thing started, the meets, because I didn't think that we were even going to make it to year two. Yeah. Because I didn't know how, how it was going to do, you know? So yeah, now it's always a constant thing. I was like, I look back on my old work. I'm like, dude, I fucking hate my old work now. Just because I've evolved and grown so much, like yeah. I, it makes me cringe. Like when I look at my early stuff, you know, even though the, the stories that I told were good, it's just like the photos. Like photography is constantly evolving, you know. Mm -hmm. So, and then video stuff too. And I think that I can continue to produce better, you know. So yeah, uh, the, just to hear that you personally think that you have a lot of room for growth is is exciting mm -hmm. because like I, I would I would be one to say, and I know a lot of people listening that the, the content that you produce is, is top notch oh, thanks, stuff. Man. And just yeah. to know that this is like, that things are just going to get better from here. It's mm -hmm. exciting. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's so, it's so different to see somebody like yourself and, and to be able to take things where you've taken, mm. taken it and to, to just change uh, no disrespect to who you were in the past, but just to to change into a better version, yeah. yeah. Instead of a a worse version, mm -hmm. you know, because when people when people grow and they get more popular and more on the 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 forefront of things, yeah. Usually they change for the negative mm -hmm. of things, or they get but, comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. But just to see you in 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 more of a. a a more humble state and just a, mm. a, a raw creative a creative yeah like that's exciting man and it's Thanks. something that we don't see much yeah. in this uh, in this community and it's something that i can relate to as mm. well and it seems like i'm always trying to do something else and it's not because i'm trying to make more money yeah and i'm sure it would look like that from the outside yeah, looking yeah. in but it's like dude I mean, I, that's what happens when you meet success right yeah mm -hmm. it's I always tell people this, man. We have we have such an infatuation with with money, mm -hmm. and I, I did when I was younger. But yeah. when you when you get enough money that you can pay for your bills, and I'm not talking about that you're rich. Yeah, I'm saying your your bills are paid. You mm -hmm. got food. Everything's good. After that, what are you gonna do? Okay, well, I want to buy some new shoes. Okay, yeah. you bought the shoes. And then what? Yeah, well, I want to buy. Okay, you got that. You got yeah. the car. You know. Well, it's not you so much money that people care about. Status status yeah. yeah dude and and that's i i think people don't understand mm -hmm. that once you gain all those things that still doesn't fix 
yeah internally uh-huh. that just fixes your image from what everybody yeah. sees you know if yeah. i was to look at where i'm at nowadays mm-hmm. when i back then i would think like oh i'm on the top of the world yeah but w- how i feel right now is i'm i'm still trying to figure out what makes me happy mm-hmm. and what what i want to do for the rest of my life and it, it's just you know being a creative yeah. it it's it's a different space than just being a regular business owner. Mm-hmm. That's well, I mean, that's real life shit that you're working on. Everything else is what people are working on is their avatar, which is just an image of who they want to present to the world. That's your little icon, yeah, on your social media. That's who you want people to see you as. You know, that's not real life shit. You know, like it's very difficult for you, for people to be honest and display that. And I think maybe that's why people relate to me too, is because I've never been very quiet about who I am. I've always been who I, I've never changed much. You know, like I've never had money. So even now that I do have a little bit more money and I'm comfortable, I still live like I'm broke. I think that's the best way to live because, I mean, money is a byproduct. Like money is to be spent. Yeah. It's a means to an end. You spend it, you'll make more. But I mean, life experience, you don't get back. And the most valuable commodity that you can offer the world that you never get back and that money can't buy is time, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you lose that time, you never get it back. So you have to appreciate the time that you have. Because everything else comes and goes, man. I mean, time comes and goes too, but those are the the moments that you have to appreciate the most because you literally never get them back. That's why it's like always people like beefing each other or like talking shit about people online and people are just mad about it or like people screw each other over and like, oh man, I fucking hate that guy. Like, why do you invest so much time in hating people? Yeah. Your hate for that person only affects you. They don't give a shit if you hate them or not. They'll they'll care about five minutes, you know? Mm But what you're giving them is your time. You're devoting all that time into hating them when you can be living your life and moving on, you know? And I think that's how people should live. Yeah, I, I always say that time is the the, the only currency that mm-hmm. we really have because yeah. the way that you gain currency is to, to work or to barter or whatever. And yeah. to do all that, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And um, even to go further than that, there's a lot of people that, that spend time with people that don't make them happy mm-hmm. and actually make them feel worse than they did before they were even hanging out, yeah. whether picking on them or what have you. And then they just want to be there because they don't want to be home alone or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And I always tell people like, look, if you get paid 15 bucks an hour and you just chilled with this this group of people that makes you feel like shit for four hours mm-hmm. you just gave them 60 dollars of of your time to yeah. make you feel like shit mm-hmm. and it, it's much better just to focus on yourself and what really makes you happy exactly but that that is a, an uncomfortable state to be in yeah i know a lot of the things i say and a lot of topics that i go over it would be uncomfortable for a lot of people to say mm-hmm. but it's just those are the things that i've been through those are my life experiences yeah. and if i'm at this position where i'm at today mm-hmm. i'll go through all that shit exactly over again yeah. everything you're not made you everything you are right? definitely saying, man. so yeah definitely it's just life is super exciting man and and i'm i'm really glad that you were able to come down here and yeah, have this course, conversation man. i yeah, know because we never like sit down and chat for a long period of time it's always yeah. in passing so. it's, it's always just the generic yeah. conversation and at those times i mean you really can't get to a deep conversation when we're mm-hmm. in, in a train or somewhere or at yeah. dinner or something like that there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. and um i remember there was like maybe like a couple of years ago when you saw me at the chronicles meet one of my meets and you were just like bro you look happy you know and that's like i appreciated that a lot because you know people don't notice that kind of stuff you know i i've i've noticed that about you um and like i said we haven't had the closest of relationships mm-hmm. but i i've noticed the way that that you've uh that you've carried yourself the way that you talked and the way that that you um you just looked at things mm-hmm. and, and it was it was that time 
that yeah. I told you. It was a little before that that I was realizing that mm-hmm. it's just like, damn, Joey seems like he's going through some some kind of change. Mm-hmm. He's going through something yeah. right now that that is um, that's having an effect on him, mm-hmm. and it it's just it's just seemed to have gotten better and better and better since yeah. then. And not saying that you were a bad person or, or anything yeah. like that. No, it just came with growth, you know. And, so. Yeah, and it's just and I I know that people are saying the same thing about me because mm-hmm. it was my fault that I let myself be represented represented in yeah. the way that I did. Yeah, you know, I handled certain situations mm-hmm. wrong, yeah. and it's nobody else's fault. No matter what anybody else did, mm-hmm. it was on me at the end of the day. To handle that situation yeah. how i did so however people feel like that's that's cool the, because that's what i gave them mm-hmm. you know so now being conscious of that i'm trying to give people the best me that i can yeah and the, the most humble me and and giving people the tools that i've that i've received and that i've used mm-hmm. and hopefully they can they can use them and it's not I, I i don't want people to think that this is always about business and about money yeah it's 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 really just about happiness mm-hmm. and you're just trying to trying to provide a life for you and yours right so that's it man and as long as i can leave leave this earth and having more people happy about me mm-hmm. than than ex- uh, mad at me about things that i've done to them yeah you know it's just i i haven't had anybody that's messed with my family mm-hmm. i haven't had anybody that's like try to kill me or anything like yeah, that like you've been fortunate you had a fortunate uh, life yeah and... any problems that i've had up to this point there's there's reconciliation mm-hmm. for all of it and if that reconciliation comes at the point of respect where look i don't like you you don't like me let's just let's just live separately yeah. uh-huh that's that's all i could want yeah you know and it, it's it's taken a lot to get to this point mm-hmm. and it's a hard journey and it's i haven't i never really had anybody that would reach out to me yeah. and say like hey man maybe you shouldn't do that maybe you should do this or yeah. anything you, you had know? to learn the hard way i had to learn the hard way yeah. and i'm trying to be that person for other people that mm-hmm. that maybe i see them going through some things and yeah. you know, shoot them a text and even the text isn't even telling them to like, hey, do it like this, or just like, hey, bro, you're all right. Mm-hmm. I see you going through some shit. You're all right because I th- I think that people don't realize that at the end of the day that we do this stuff because it's it's what we find happiness in, yeah. and we just we we kind of forget that and we get caught up in the whole you know the drama of everything and whatever's mm-hmm. going on but we just don't realize that the person on the other end of that phone that text that comment they have a life too that mm-hmm. they're trying to live and what if they're going to fam- to dinner with their family and now they're upset and yeah. you cause them to be upset yeah, yeah. so now you're ruining everybody's mm-hmm. time for what just yeah. because you wanted to get that snarky mm-hmm. comment off or they made you feel a certain way. So now you make them feel yeah. even what, worse. Nobody wins, right? No one wins, dude. And mm-hmm. I, I think I think that there's there's really a shift that that's coming up, man. Mm-hmm. I feel it. And if, if it doesn't come, I mean, at the end of the day, at least I can just be the change yeah. that I want to see. As long as you try it, you can't blame yourself for not trying. You know? Yeah, definitely, man. But I, I hope that everybody listening to this podcast, they have... Um, a deeper understanding of who you are and the the reasonings why you do mm-hmm. what you do and um, that's one of the reasons i love doing this podcast stuff man because yeah. you don't get 
chances to sit down with people for yeah hour two hours mm-hmm. and just dig into it and figure out who they are yeah. as a person like you see less than one percent of people's lives right because you only see them for like whatever 15 seconds they're posting about or like the... and they're gonna show you what they want to show you yeah. they're not gonna show you the hardships yeah. that they've gone through or the bad things mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah so what is one of the biggest lessons that that you've you've learned in life or something that that's hit you um hit you really hard that that you kind of thought that maybe it was something that you weren't going to be able to come back from like like a big life lesson hmm Uh, that's a good question i don't know i think the thing that i learned most in these years is is that everybody like doesn't have the same resources as you so you can't like fault them for not understanding or seeing things or being better or any of that stuff because maybe they they're going through their own thing you know so but Man, if there's anything that was completely life changing about it, I wouldn't. I think the whole experience is life changing, man. I think overall. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, of your whole life, you know, mm-hmm. this, this even for myself, this is a a, a really small chunk of yeah. the time that I've been on this earth. But it's definitely, you could say, even in the last four or five years, mm-hmm. in the last two years, it's, it's really shaped me into the person that I am. Yeah. Today. Well, I mean, I think if there's anything that was really life changing was moving to LA. Yeah. Cause that's when everything kind of took off you know yeah yeah when i can't see myself ever going back because i'm so like set in the ways of the i guess the speed of la mm-hmm. that like i enjoy it so much you know so everything mm-hmm. changes so often yeah yeah so um before we get out of here man i just wanted to thank you for coming again yeah, for no opening worries, up I know that you're not really that much of a public person, so that's mm-hmm. why I, I really appreciate this and the drive too. A lot, like I was saying, the, the about time. You know, yeah. uh, this is a, this is a big chunk out of your day that that you're taking to spend with me, and I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, and I hope everybody listening, um, they appreciate your time as well. So, for all the uh, the platforms and everything that you got going on, um, where can people find you at? It's all sticky Diljo everything Sticky. yeah that's the name that i've been stuck with for <laughs> so so to close it out that was my first question <laughs> where'd the name come from it was just my old aol username that i had it was just something stupid that i created back then just kind of like you know tongue-in-cheek kind of humor what did it mean sticky dildo that's why when people call me that it's oh. like i never got offended when people call me that and i was like well that's what the fucking name is based on <laughs> and there's nothing people can really say that offends me anyways but it's like yeah the username just stuck just because you know, when I created the Chronicles, it, the name itself is pretty generic, you know? So I couldn't get the Chronicles.com because it's mm-hmm. owned by somebody, you know? Yeah. So I was like, well, let's just make a StickyDilger.com, you know? It's something unique. It's something that sticks with people because it's so weird. Yeah. And people are always going to wonder what it is, you know? So I think it brings that curiosity, too. So. Dope, man. So everybody listening, please, please go check Joey out. Uh, Sticky Diljo will have him all his links on the bottom. And if you can, just just shoot him a DM or something, comment, and just just tell him if you got any uh, anything out of this conversation, man. Um, yeah, for sure. I know I know that I definitely did. Uh, this is probably the most we've ever talked in, yeah. in all all together. In like ten years, yeah. <laughs> in ten years all together. Yeah. But it's exciting, man. I, I'm excited to see. Um, I'm excited to see where your brand goes from here. Yeah. I'm excited to get that book 
and uh i'm excited to see what kind of merch that you come out with man because your, yeah. your merch is always on point dude. thanks man yeah i try to like get the little follow the streetwear model where to keep things really limited and stuff you know so it seems to work out yeah yeah people appreciate that kind of stuff so definitely mm-hmm. there's not a lot of guys like you in this industry anymore man thanks, and man. No, no matter if people like you or hate you or anything you're you're your genuine self yeah. and and that that's a rare thing nowadays thanks man yeah. so um Thank you once again, guys. Episode 74, Downtime with Downstar. We out. Peace. Later.